This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Wildwoods of Vancouver Island, welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Jerome here alongside the state of Hoppy, and thank you to everyone who's joining us wherever and whenever you're listening. This is like the Canada Day slash 4th of July special. It's neither Canada Day nor the 4th of July that we're recording this, but hey, it, it, we're, we're, in the, we're in the spirits right now, aren't we? The festive spirits. How's it going, uh, state of Hoppy? It's going great, Isha, and it's honestly probably ideal that we're not recording on either of those days. <laughs> well, honestly, there was nothing much going on uh, for my Canada Day. I hung out with my roommate. We made some dinner. We drank some beer. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, I know you got a ton of plans this weekend, though, so that's why, uh, well, that's why we're doing this a little earlier. A Wednesday's a little bit different than a Saturday, I suppose. Yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm currently I'm unemployed right now, so every day is kind of a Saturday. Fair. <laughs> Well, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for paperwork to go in. I'm employed, but I haven't started working yet. So I'm kind of milking right. it for, uh, <laughs> I'm milking the, the, my last days off and doing a lot of work here. And I'd like to say watching sports, but it's still not happening. Um, but Hey, it's, uh, I just wanted to say like happy Canada day to everyone. I hope you had a safe, uh, Canada day and uh, to everyone who's, uh, who's, Listening to this podcast, I hope you had a safe 4th of July. For anybody who goes back and watches this video on YouTube or tunes in on Facebook Live, I hope you have an awesome uh, 4th of July weekend. Um, before we get into the show rundown, though, man, I just I had some, uh, had some hockey tidbits that I've been saving for a while. Uh, they've, they've been in my bookmarks for like two weeks, and I just want to throw them out your way to those who are listening as well. Um, as per uh, Mike Camito on Twitter, I, I don't know if you followed him on Twitter. He posts uh, some some cool hockey tidbits. Um, I, I learned this actually about uh, the Florida Panthers and Alex Ovechkin, which was again we're all starving here for some sports content. So I thought I'd throw this your guys's way. Uh, during the 2003 draft, the Panthers actually tried their darndest to select Alex Ovechkin, who was born two days after the cutoff of that year's draft class. At the time, general Man- general manager Rick Dudley argued that Ovechkin was eligible if leap years were taken into account, which I thought was hilarious. And hey, if I had a chance at fucking Alex Ovechkin, I would go, I'd pull all the stops as well and try to argue that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I I totally forgot about that. That's hilarious. I did. I like, I I did. That wasn't even on my radar. I wouldn't have ever even thought of that, but that's hilarious. And uh, yeah, I saw that tweet, uh, uh, circling and I was like, oh, I'm a huge Ovechkin fan. So I had to, I had to bring that to the forefront. You know, I'm going to start bringing as many, as many capitals, uh, tidbits as I can, just because you're a Penguins fan moving forward as well. That's, so there you that's go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into the show rundown. We got the hoppy hour uh, as we're going to start having uh, pretty much every podcast moving forward. Um, we'll have the results of the, the beer poll question that we had 
on the Soda Pods Twitter account. Again, for those of you watching this on YouTube and Facebook Live, jump on Twitter at the Soda Pod and uh, participate in our poll questions. Um, even if you want to just go in as the anonymous egg, that's fine. We we just want uh, we just we just want more participation on this, and we actually got um, some great feedback on it as well. And we also got a ton of feedback on our NHL poll question, which we'll get into uh, later in the show. Uh, second segment, which you won't you won't hear on the live show uh, on YouTube and uh, on Facebook Live, but you're here on the podcast. Is we brought in Andrew Wadden of TSN 1040 Vancouver. We talked all things Minnesota Wild junior hockey um, and Vancouver Canucks. And we talked a little bit about uh, some beer as well towards the end of the interview. So stick around for that. Um, Then we got some NHL and and hockey news. Um, KHL heavy podcast, actually, as we're going to talk about Kirill Kaprizov, we're going to talk about Hovanov. Um, And I've actually found just some, some interesting KHL uh, news topics that I wanted to share with you and our listeners as well. I mentioned the NHL or sorry, the hockey poll question that we have on the soda pod basically every week uh, prior to bringing on uh, the state of hoppy as our new co-host, we just had one poll question every week. Now we're going to have two, one beer related, one hockey related. So we'll get into the hockey one later in the show. And uh, as always now, especially during these COVID times, we have some discussion topics on again, our Twitter page at the soda pod. Um, One we brought forward and another, a fan brought forward which i'm fucking pumped hey the less work we have to do state of hoppy the better so we'll dive into all that and i know you you're you're just fired up and ready to talk about uh talk about that discussion topic as well so that's our show rundown it sounds like a jam-packed show um it kind of is and i'm i've been looking forward to it all day and quickly before we jump right into everything i want to say that we do have a text and voicemail open to all minnesota fans uh well in and beyond the state of hockey uh listen it's simple if you call us leave a voicemail or text us we'll we'll feature you on the podcast it's a great way to interact with our fans so don't be shy 612-324-1684 or again on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the soda pod we're getting our number back online very soon we can get texts right now we're working to get calls again asap um we're just actually renewing our partnership deal with the open phone app but uh, don't be shy 612-324-1684 add that to your phones and send us a text um you know i'll give a shout out to our sponsors after the first segment here uh let's get into it on the other side we got the hoppy hour <laughs> you're a slob like shut your whore mouth <laughs> That's it. Yeah, like the fir- the phrase pigeon toss, like I find that hilarious. <laughs> like as if you were to toss a pigeon. What like, the fuck is a pigeon toss? No, like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way, like Daniel. Touch it, go, he scores! Don't forget to catch Stick in Rink, the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area. Every Monday on the Stick in Rink podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts from, or on the hockey podcast network, every team, everywhere. You know how fucked I am in the head? When you said pigeon toss, the first thing I thought of was midget toss. We're back. Uh, get some beers, get some whatever, <laughs> and start celebrating. All right, City of Hoppy, I've been talking for for a little bit here. I'm going to hand the reins over to you to uh, intro this this topic and we won't we won't spend a lot of time on it, but it needs to be said as you said as 
The 56 Brewing owner resigns after allegations of racial harassments against a black employee, and it was corroborated by eyewitnesses. Uh, I'll hand the reins over to you, and, um, and you can kind of talk about this story. Yeah, and to reiterate, we're not going to beat this to death. There's a lot of info out there if you want to look online, look on Twitter. I'll share the article on Twitter as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, unfortunate situation here where you know, obviously with everything going on, uh, we're hearing more and more stories come up with racial incidents in the past. Uh, just about two years ago, uh, one of the founders and co-owners of 56 Brewing unfortunately uh, made some inappropriate gestures towards a black employee, uh, waved a noose at him, and uh, from the story it says he yelled, come here, boy, at him. And it sounds like he might have yelled it more than once. Um, really brutal thing to hear. Um, doesn't matter if it was today or if it was two years ago. Just really unfortunate, especially seeing the story that came out that Isha's, again, going to post on Twitter. Very detailed um, story and like a ton of information there. And it's like, it's pretty fucking sickening, man. It's brutal. But the worst part for me, because, you know, again, Things happen. It doesn't make it okay. But if you can man up and admit to what you've done, you know, apologize and ask for forgiveness, I'm willing to hear you out. You know, that just didn't really happen in this scenario. And that's um, what irked us the most as we were talking prior to, you know, prior to recording here. Yeah. And I'll, I'll touch on my piece and you can kind of stem off on what made you a little bit more angry. Yeah, Isha. Sure. But, um, you know, it came out because obviously the, uh, that employee who, you know, was harassed, was threatened, came out and contributed to the article once, you know, things were being disputed by 56 Brewing. Um, turns out when he resigned shortly after this incident, he wrote a resignation letter. It was not read until this story just came up recently, which just, I don't understand how that's even possible that no one at the company read it. Nothing was ever brought up from this. And it was kind of brushed off. So, and what, what made me so angry was that in, I don't even want to say response in his fucking excuse. He was like, no, I was demonstrating how to tie a certain knot. And that, that obviously that's not just what he said. There was more to it, but that, that was the crux of it. And I was just like, just jumping off what you said, there was no, there was no admission of what he did wrong. It was just like, it was just lies. And okay. I, I get you want to put a defense out there if you're going to legally try to defend yourself, but that's stupid. Like grow up, you know, and, yep. and, and have courage and, and be a good person, you know, because clearly what, you, what, what he did was wrong. Nope. And that, that's to echo that. That's all I ask. It hasn't happened yet. It sounds like there's going to be more of an investigation that happens. So, you know, obviously before we go crazy on this, definitely want to hear more and see what's uncovered with it. Um, it does sound like, the owner stepped down from being the CEO of the brewery. It doesn't sound like there's any clarity around whether or not they are still part of that five person ownership group. So that's still to be seen. Yeah. But right now the, I, I'm reading it and it said that there wasn't any word that they were going to sell the shares yet. Cause it's uh, him and his wife both, both uh, have stakes in the company. Got it. Um, great reporting uh, by Brian Koffenberg uh, of the growler. Um, again, very detailed article updated with 
uh, a ton of information as the story transpired and like the state of hoppy said uh there's there's going to be more to it i don't know how much more we'll like necessarily cover on the soda pod but if anything more comes out if you guys want to interact and talk about it over twitter i just shared the article um you know please don't be shy to uh to jump on and talk to us about it because these conversations need to be had especially in light of what's going on um in the world especially well in 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 the state of minnesota all right. I mean, no easy right turn from this, but uh, should we jump right into the poll question? Should we do that? Jump into the, the beer poll question, which again, man, like the state of Hoppy, just just uplifting the soda pod here. One week into a new idea and we got great participation on this poll question. So uh, I don't know if you have it up here, uh, uh, state of Hoppy. I'll read it out and then we can uh, I'll hand the reins over to you again and we can, we can talk about this. But uh the, the Soda Pod's weekly poll question number two, the beer poll question. What mini, Minneapolis brewery would you like reviewed by the State of Hoppy on, next, on the next podcast? Um, comments are always encouraged. Now, we, uh, we decided to go with Modest Brewing Company, Inbound Brewing Company, Head Flyer Brewing, or other. Um, I'll pass it over to you, sir. Uh, how is A, your, your experience with, uh, with this new segment thus far? Oh, it's wonderful. Um, I love the people that know that they're not giving a Minneapolis answer and call out as much, but still just want to give us other options, which yeah. all the ones that were called out are great breweries. They're going to happen eventually, but uh, no, it was pretty much a landslide and you know, I'm not going to take all the credit for the participation here. Modest jumped in and made sure they got awareness out and it, it's pretty evident within the poll results. And we're actually going to bring Modest Brewing on uh either next episode or, or the one after and uh yeah bring them on to shoot the breeze hopefully talk some hockey but of course talk some beer and uh yeah modest brewing co 66 percent leading in the polls inbound at 12 uh head flyer tied also at 12 and the others at 8.9 percent. i'm just going to give a little shout out to uh those who commented um i commented and, and said like i always have heard good things about shirley um joshua at uh oh man i'm so sorry about your name velchef at velchef joshua that was easy on twitter actually he says it like you alluded to it's not minneapolis but uh but should be looked at and uh which one was he talking about here he didn't even call that was castle danger castle danger you know i've heard about that as well castle danger oh there it is the next comment here um barrel theory was another one from straightly at bent underscore straight (laughs) I don't know why that made me laugh. The Twitter account. That's awesome. It's an interesting handle. Um, and that one's from St. Paul, as, as you mentioned, right? Yep. Barrel Theory. Um, oh, and uh, Agarta? Agarta LLC at Agarta L uh, says all of them. And I, I love that because you, I mean, you wouldn't have suggested these if, if they all, all weren't good, right? No, exactly. And there's obviously a ton that were left off that list that wasn't snubbing anyone. There's going to be plenty more polls. We're we'll go back to mini. Everyone an opportunity here for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let, let's get it. Let's get right into the review. Then you you hopped in your car. I saw today you masked up and you went to Modest Brewing Co. So, uh, well, like I said, let's get right into it. Give the people what they want. Give the sixty six percent out of all of our uh, uh, all of our fans, listeners, those on uh, Twitter who participated in this poll question. Absolutely, and obviously, uh, for anyone that follows me or knows, definitely not my first visit to Modest. 
It was actually a different one, though, obviously, with having to make a reservation beforehand. Um, you know, they're very, very strict and thorough on all of the COVID-19 requirements. Um, everyone was adhering. I even saw someone get turned away that tried to come in without a mask. So kudos to them. Um, but even bigger kudos. And I don't want to go too deep into this because I think it's a great topic to really do a deep dive on once we uh, bring some of the good folks from Modest onto the pod. But with obviously Minneapolis being the start of you know, all the riots in the country, having some issues with you know just how to handle everything with the George Floyd situation, tough thing for a lot of people. Modest Brewing Company stepped up and they were really leading the charge across not just breweries, but businesses in the area. Uh, I think there were certain days where they were actually having to turn down people coming to make donations. Amazing. Because there was so much for them to handle and they would have to direct them to other companies, other breweries, but I just couldn't give a bigger, you know, kudos to them for everything that they've done here recently through COVID through George Floyd protesting, uh, they've just you know, not only continued to put out great beer for us, but really been leaders in the space for a lot of you know, social issues. And man, that's, those are things you, you want to hear, especially with, uh, within a company like that in, in Minnesota. When you told me that story, um, it really, yeah, I, a smile was brought to my face and was like, you know what? Fucking rights. Like that, that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to see. Um, we're getting actually some, uh, some participation on the live stream, eh? Uh, Brady Levold, um, you know, f- former professional hockey player, former star in the WHL, now part of the hockey podcast network, host of hockey to heroin, the road to recovery, man. He's just stroking us off left, right and center here. You know, he's, he's commenting on, uh, on, you know, us, talking about that story. You know, he said that's garbage. Uh, Craig Granger actually host a co-host of um, <laughs> the Rip and Biscuits podcast on the, on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, he asked us how y'all living. We're living great, buddy. We got some beer in hand. We're, we're, we're having a blast here. Um, yeah, everyone, go, go check out Brady Levold and, and Craig's work as well. Uh, shout out Jordy Cunningham, who also joined the stream. Uh, I'm not going to be looking at the comments throughout this entire podcast, but I just wanted to give you guys a shout out as you uh, were the first ones to join here. All right. So, so what are you drinking right now? What, what are you drinking right now? You reviewed kind of the, the whole, the whole brewery, but let, let's get, let's get to the brass tacks. Let's get to the beer. What are you drinking? I see, cause I keep looking back at the video stream. I see you sipping on something there. I see you sipping oh, yeah. on something. Of course. What do you nope, got? And I went in and actually sampled several today just to make sure I got the right ones for the pod. Um, so the one I'm drinking right now, uh, it's Double Ghost Vision. And as it's always, he'll take a picture of here, it. But I'll post, I'll post yeah. a picture of the the growlers that, or the crawlers that I left with today. Um, very, very good. It's actually, it might be my favorite IPA that I've had from them. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, it's a double dry hop, Strata and Citra, double IPA. Um, just very smooth, has the right flavor for me. Again, they have a lot of really good IPAs there. Um, some flagships that other people are probably a lot more familiar with because uh, the Double Ghost is not always out. Um, but the one that I want to bring to everyone's attention, because not only is it one of my favorite beers that they have, uh, I brought my sister and her boyfriend with today. It was their favorite beer. My wife's favorite beer across any brewery. It is first call it is yeah 
It is a coffee lager, but it's mm. not one of those thick, heavy, quarter Sweet. stout type beers. <laughs> this was a light, you know, almost like a blonde, just a standard lager. So it's a light beer with that coffee flavor. Ooh. It's phenomenal. You know what? I've I've never I've never jumped on the coffee beer train yet. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I do like the chocolate stouts. Um, Granville Island uh, does Granville Island Brewery out here on the West Coast does an outstanding job with their uh, winter winter ale, um, which was kind of like the first chocolate beer that I ever that I ever tried. And it's like I think it's like a five point five percent too. That thing's <laughs> thing's deadly. Yeah, uh, but that sounds outstanding, man. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that is a lot has traditionally been more rare uh you're mm. seeing a lot more breweries that are coming out with you know whether it's the the blonde coffee beers even blonde peanut butter beers which i know isha we've already talked about we're both Dude, oh, you just read my mind you just yeah. read my mind i was like i gotta get my fucking hands on some peanut butter beers i gotta do the mix i gotta mix some chocolate peanut butter i need oh, a yeah. reese cup in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> there we go but no i mean top to bottom again i haven't had a bad beer at modest um, you know, I highly recommend getting out there. You know, obviously right now it's a little bit tougher, but you know, if you make a reservation, if you take proper precautions and want to go out there, awesome. Keep supporting them. Um, but definitely if you're not comfortable with that and want to wait until things calm down, get back you know, more normal, I guess. Um, one of the spots that I always highly recommend and it's great. It's within walking distance of probably four or five other breweries right in the area there. That's awesome, man. Well, anything but, else? You yeah, I, I would usually go more in depth here, Isha, to be completely honest, but I don't want to take the wind out of the sails for that interview will be dropping in a week or two. I'm so pumped and it's going to be so much fun. I, I just can't wait to, to start picking the brains of, of more of these, well, brewmasters, owners, um, and, and those who've been working in, in the industry because it's, it, it's something that's always interested me. And uh, as someone who likes craft beer, as uh, as someone who has now this platform and we're bringing in, you know, more of actual soda pod talk. Um, I'm just super excited. Cause like I was telling you off, uh, off air and I was telling listeners throughout the whole season, um, it was a lot harder than I thought as an outsider to get, to get in touch with uh, Minnesota bre- uh, breweries than it was, you know, Minnesota hockey players, for example, you know, I got brought Ryan Carter on my show. It took me like four months to contact Ben Paddle. <laughs> what gives so i'm glad i got my insider on the ground there and uh i mean the segment's gonna ever evolve and um and like we're saying right off the bat we're gonna have we're gonna have guests every week sometimes they're gonna be in the within the hockey world sometimes they're gonna be in the beer world sometimes they'll be both but uh this show is definitely gonna be a hockey and wobbly pop talk show moving forward you know, and, and I'm so excited that the state of hoppy is part of it now. Um, I want to quickly talk about what I'm drinking. I love how we're going to get more into more in depth with, uh, well, with the beers in Minnesota, since this is a Minnesota wild based podcast, but Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm from Vancouver Island from the West coast. I like my beer as well. And I want to give a shout out, uh, to, to, you know, some of the local breweries that I go to as well. Today I went to new tradition, actually Tammy Blair and the crew there were awesome new tradition brewing, uh, brewing company in Comox, British Columbia. Uh, it's fairly new. I think they got like 17 followers on Twitter. I'm sure they got a bigger Instagram following though. Um, I picked up a mini growler, a uh, new tradition brewing company. I mean, I have a collection of growlers now. I don't try to like overkill it. My shelf is almost full. And when it's full, I'll end it there. And then I can actually start using them and get, because that's where you get cheap beer in Canada. You fill up a growler for five bucks. There you go. Um, but anyways, I picked up, which is one of their, 
basically they started with a core four of beers and I brought them up right here. They are cure for the common Kolsch. They got noon patrol, liquid tuxedo and Fraser trail pale ale. Now those were their first four beers. And, um, and basically what they do is with their seasonal stuff, they'll, they'll keep tabs on what sells the most and then kind of just rotate whatever sells the most at, uh, uh, at one point of the year. And apparently these, the first four, the OGs have never, have never gone on the list. They've always, they've never gone off the list they've never trailed. They've always been the top four, uh, selling beers, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, just a little story to bring here. And so I decided to go with cure for the common Kolsch. Now they love their puns as well. Um, I'm scrolling here as I know there was another one. Oh yeah, I'm a little teapot oatmeal stout was another one um, <laughs> that they do. That wasn't part of the OG, but I thought that was pretty funny as uh, I'm a huge pun fan. But yeah, Cure for the Common Kolsch, 4.8. Um, and uh, it's awesome. Not too hoppy. And uh, it's not like, as you, I don't know if you can see, but it, it's, it's not, um, it's not very like creamy. It's, it's definitely got some tone to it. It's definitely got a bite to it, but it's not your, uh, it's not your traditional, more bitter Kolsch. It, it goes down very smooth and, uh, yeah, has, has a great little, uh, hint, like a tiny hint of sweetness in the aftertaste. So again, shout out new tradition brewing. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to tag the shit out of all your social media when we post this. Cause you guys are awesome. And again, uh, Tammy Blair was just so awesome to deal with. There was a, they're doing an outstanding job as well in regards to their, their safety and whatnot. Um, and, and everyone who was in line behind me just was, was super cool as well. So the crowd there was awesome too, because I was, you know, I was in line just asking questions, kind of telling them like, you know, this, this is what I do. I'm actually going to feature your beer on a podcast. And I've just, I would quite frankly, I was, I was new to the, the establishment and the people behind me were, were super chill. And I even told one, I was like, Hey man, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a while. I want to actually talk to her for a bit. If you want to just buy your beer, he's like, Oh no, man, it's fine. So shout out to, to everyone at new tradition, shout out Comox BC. It's uh it's fucking awesome. All right. What else do we got? Do we got any other beer talk here? Or is that it? Should we move forward? We can move forward. All right, uh, folks, as always, follow us on Twitter, myself at VI Sports Talk, uh, the show at The Soda Pod, and the State of Hoppy at State of Hoppy. Uh, the best thing you can do for us today is rate and review the network and the shows you like, even if the review is ridiculous. It helps us stay on top of the sports charts. Uh, reminder, we just talked about one of our poll questions. We also have another one we're going to run down. We're going we're gonna to throw two a week at you folks at The Soda Pod. Uh, write-ins are always encouraged as we ran down on this last poll question question and we will run down on uh, the NHL slash hockey based one. Um, we're going to jump into segment two right now. If you're watching on Facebook live and YouTube, please uh, hang tight. Monday, the podcast will come out and it will feature Andrew Wadden of TSN 1040. Not only is he, is he a producer of one of the best shows, uh, Sakaris and Price, um, and, he's, and he's more than a producer. Like he's, he's part of that show. Uh, he's, he also does like a golf show on Sundays. He does a all sports show on Saturday, followed up by a Canucks uh, based show as well. This guy's just, he's working 24 seven at a TSN 1040. And he, he's one of the greats in my mind. He does his, uh, man, he does, um, like the traffic and update reads and he gets so pumped. It's like become, it's become his niche. He just starts like yelling into the mic, like, it's the PM drive, TSN 1040, just getting so hyped. And like the fans just ate it up when he became the new producer of that show. And that's what got me intrigued. I was like, who is this guy? This guy's awesome. And just talking, you know, while we were recording the podcast is always great, but just shooting the shit and talking, uh, uh, after, you know, off the air, um, Andrew's an amazing guy. So thanks again, Andrew Wadden. And uh, we'll throw that interview to you right now. 
right, everybody. We got a sports journalist, broadcaster, and currently the producer of the Sakaris and Price Show, host of Sports Saturdays, the Sunday Morning Golf Show, and Rink Wide Radio, the show that always scores on TSN 1040 Vancouver. I've been talking about bringing this guy on for the last few weeks now. Please give a warm welcome to Andrew Wadden. How's it going, sir? Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. Folks, you can find Andrew at Andrew Wadden on Twitter. How's it going, man? Uh, thanks for making time for us here on the Soda Pod. I know a little bit different than the last time I talked to you a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, I'm looking forward to see where things go here with the NHL, but also starting to get a little weary. I'm mean, starting to see NBA players are dropping out, testing positive. I don't know, man. I'm just like, as much as I want hockey to return right now, I don't know if it's even going to get off the ground. And I, I know JD's been saying that for weeks on Rinkwide right now, but you know, JD kind of takes the negative angle from things from time to time. And I was kind of hoping that maybe, uh, you know, he was wrong, but now I'm wondering maybe if he's going to be right. So we'll see what happens. Well, we were talking about that actually on this episode, me and uh, my, my new co-host here on the soda pod. And we were kind of thinking like, well, th- there's going to be cases and there's going to be numbers that, that, that come out because obviously now the players are, are still joining their clubs and being tested. I think it would be naive of us to think that every player was a hundred percent, you know, quarantining themselves and taking every little precaution that they can. So though, you know, I, I like to take the, the positive view, like, like you do most of the time, um, I, I do I do sense your concern, but but I have to also you know think that this was going to happen regardless, and and it's still a slow process. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, the only thing that is worrisome as well is you know you see how many players that will be coming now from different parts of the world to now return to their NHL cities, and you know like Sweden never really like kind of closed, and their numbers are bad and. The amount of Swedish players, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, now if you're seeing things spike in, in the United States and, you know, perhaps like they use both hubs in Canada, we'll see. But I don't know if that's like going to be enough because there's just so much elsewhere that is the problem, you know, whether it's down in the United States or other parts of the world, like including Sweden. So, you know, again, I'm optimistic that they can get it going. Um, I would love to see it, you know, happen. But at the same time, too, I, I don't really want to see more of this spread, and I'm stating the obvious, but, like, you know, we got to really, really take this thing seriously here, right? And, yeah, again, stating the obvious, but I don't know. Like, I see, you know, people going to strip clubs here in Vancouver on the weekend. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, right? I don't know if you heard about that. But, like, you know, seriously, like, uh, you know, when we start to get a little more relaxed, that's when we'll, people will take, you know, uh, foot over an inch, right? And and that part scares me. So, you know, hopefully, you know, they can get it done. You know, hopefully the NBA can get their season done. Hopefully the MLS can get their season done as well. But when you start seeing things like I just, you know, I just saw now that DeAndre Jordan from the Brooklyn Nets is now dropping out and he's joining his teammate, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, who also tested cro- uh, positive for coronavirus. So, you know, you start to see a couple of connections in the NBA. When are we going to start to see that in the NHL as well? Are they going to be able to quarantine properly? You know, what happens during the play-in or playoff? Uh, if a player gets it and then they're gone for the series, what if it's a you know massive beat of your team? So much to consider here right now. And I think we'd be naive to think it'll just go off without a hitch. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, let's take a step back here, Andrew, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about about you because I'm a regular listener. I actually heard about that strip club uh, story <laughs> earlier today. Listening I wasn't to there. the, I wasn't there. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, but but I'm a I'm a regular listener to all your shows, man, and, and I know you're a sports guy through and through. However, hockey has a special spot in your heart. Um, let's go back to your playing your playing days in junior. I mean, how did your relationship with hockey and the sport just begin in general? Well, I mean, I didn't really have much for a playing days in junior. I just reached a point where I, I got invited to, you know, go to, go to someone's camp and uh, in the, from the OHL, and basically it just fizzled after that. But, uh, I mean, as far as playing was concerned, you know, played pretty high level growing up, and then once I got to, like, my draft year, it was basically like, you know, here's an invite, come to our camp. You know, this doesn't work out kind of thing, and then after that you – kind of get away from it but as far as the game is concerned uh you know always huge piece of my heart i mean that's i just breathed i lived and breathed it my whole life growing up uh, up until maybe you know 15 16 17 or whatever uh and then things sort of changed after that in terms of what i was doing on a recreational basis i don't really play anymore i i have to admit that the hockey years as a kid didn't leave me with the best taste in my mouth after it was all done and I kind of wanted to get away from it a little bit but uh as far as like you know my love of the game it never it never faded I mean I always loved the NHL and you know um I loved watching you know junior hockey games as a kid I loved going to Vancouver Giants games when I first moved out here as well I mean I used to go to a bunch of AHL games when I was growing up because the Toronto Maple Leafs had their AHL affiliate like you know 20 minutes outside of my hometown so um yeah love playing it uh, as a kid didn't don't do it as much as i as i got older but uh the, just the love of the sport always stayed with me and as someone who's unpacked this next topic on air and also with your experience playing high level hockey um i have a question in regards to the chl class action lawsuit um what do you think must occur moving forward first and foremost uh justice yeah. justice for those who were abused in the vile ways that ken campbell reported on in the hockey in the hockey news or a full chl wide overhaul slash investigation to try to and i use quote quotations here change the culture assuming you know the culture all all around North America needs to be changed because I, I truly believe, Andrew, that some organizations are great and, and some are not, clearly. Plus, how long our society has come since the late 90s and 2000s. Um, well, what are your thoughts on, on those and what do you think needs to happen first and foremost? Well, I mean, I'd like to see uh, anyone that was abused or, uh, you know, taken advantage of or whatever the, the case is, I'd like to see them have their day in court and be able to uh, tell their stories. And, and you know, if, if somebody is deemed to uh, be guilty, then, you know, I, I guess with the uh, justice system, that would be, you know, a good thing. But uh, the on the broad scale of everything, yeah, like they, we got to start being better. And, you know, uh, we, I've heard other people say, well, this is just an isolated thing. But like, you see so many different things right. pop up over the years. Then again, like, you can't say that this is isolated, because we've had incidents that keep popping up, and then just fizzle at some point. And the fizzling part is, guess that's the part that's got to end. Like we got to, at some point, you got to start listening to these voices. And I know that some people were questioning uh, who it was in terms of Dan Carcillo, and but at the same time, like here's a guy that's been on this and on this and on this, and it, you know, like it, it, some people suggested, well, he's just out for blood. And I don't believe that. Like I, you know, I, I believe that you have to start listening to it, and we're seeing that 
in the United States as well with what's going on with the civil unrest down there with the Black Lives Movement. I mean, I've been listening to hip-hop since a kid. They've been talking about this sort of injustice since I was, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago when I first started listening to this music, and people are starting to listen to them now as well, right? So to bring it back to the CHL, like, yeah, like somebody's got to uh, start listening to these guys and taking this stuff very seriously. But I think it really starts with, you know, whether it's the grassroots level or whether it's, you know, some of the owners in the, from CHL franchises, like, you got to start doing your homework. And you got to start letting things slide. So if somebody's got something in the past that maybe we don't know about, but you do as well, and maybe it's, you know, known amongst hockey circles, but you kind of go, buddy's a good coach. Bill Peters would be a good example of that. You can't yep. tell me that people didn't already know exactly that he was, you know, a bit of an asshole, you know, and, and it, it is now, you know, come to light. But at the same time, now he's got a job in the KHL. So, like, things like that, and don't get me wrong, like, what Bill Peters did was not the same as, like, some of the stuff that we're hearing is happening in these junior high. Like, like you know, discriminating against somebody is 100% wrong. But, like, Bill Peters, um, you know, he didn't witness, at least, I don't know this to be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure this is the fact. Like, he didn't witness some of the things that Ken Campbell had in, in his report that maybe other coaches have seen before. So we need to, you know, kind of vet these people a lot more and maybe an inquiry needs to happen, you know, from some high level that will look into this as well. Because again, these are not isolated incidents. These are incidents that just keep happening over and over again. And they're just grotesque. Like it's unbelievable. And I know that, you know, maybe you wanted to know something from my junior days that I might've seen. I never saw any of that stuff. Like I played low level, junior C when I was like 15 right before I got, you know, basically was able to be drafted into the OHL and I never saw any of that at all. Yeah. Well, I work with some junior B clubs out on Vancouver Island here and, and the same, same thing with my experience. Right. And I've talked to a few WHL players, but I like what you said. And they kind of said the same thing, especially the ones on the West coast here in, in Victoria and, and Vancouver and a few in Seattle as well. However, you, you hit the nail on the head there talking about the grassroots because a lot of these players that I've talked to and a lot of these people who've worked in within junior hockey for, for years, you know, some people who are owners of teams or who are managers of teams from, from players and, and assistant coaches and whatnot. A lot, a a lot of them, you know, especially the players, Andrew, are just used to used to the, this. I don't want to say abuse, but used to just the hard style, the hard culture. This almost like uh, overly blue collar, like you have to be tough, you know, old school mindset. And it's and and some of them are just they're steeped in that, and they're like, well, that's that's hockey. So for some of those who kind of are used to it and are, and are okay with that to a certain degree, they don't really they can't see. Uh, the forest through the trees, but there there are some people who are like like so many humans are different, so many kids are human are different, so many developing brains are at different levels. That obviously there's going to be people who just are, aren't going to take that shit and are going to be like, no, I'm here to play hockey and I don't I don't care about all the other noise that goes around. So obviously it's not a, a black and white issue, but I I think that you hit the nail on the head saying that it has to start from like the grassroots level and the owners and those operating the these not only franchises, but leagues need to start like educating themselves and stepping up. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, and just some of the things you you've heard of, and especially in the Ken Campbell report are like, like these people have problems. Like if you're doing that to somebody else, like that, that's a, 
that's a problem, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I never saw any of that. And, you know, I played you know, AAA and whatnot, and I never saw any of that from anybody. I mean, you know, there might be a couple of guys on the team that you kind of kick around a little bit, but everybody, for the most part, had respect for one another. You know, you're not going to do some of the things that you saw in those reports. Like, I, I, I can't believe some of the stuff that I read there. And honestly, if I was one of those players on one, on, on one of those teams, I would have stood up. So that's the part that's really concerning is, you know, a lot of guys, like you mentioned, are scared to step up, you know, and, and just like uh, Akeem Alou as well, you know, mentioning, well, I, you know, the discrimination that he faced, he kind of let slide at times because he was worried that, you know, I'm going to lose my spot, right? Or somebody's going to, I remember Kevin Week said on uh, the PM Drive show when he was on there that, you know, like, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be considered like a problem player and like, mm. man, that's so tough oh. to hear, you know, just because of someone's color of their skin, like, that's just ridiculous. So when you hear that kind of stuff, it's it's like, wow. And, you know, maybe you heard a, 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 maybe one of these players that were being abused at the time, you know, if we can start to dig into exactly why this sort of stuff is happening and, you know, get rid of these sort of things and maybe make it that if this does happen again, that somebody just says no and, and steps up and, 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 you know, stops it right then and there because, man, some of that stuff is like, wow, this is this is just absolutely grotesque, absolutely terrible. And, I, I, I mean, just reading the Ken Campbell report, it made me almost queasy in my stomach. Like, I just can't believe that this sort of thing would even happen. And, and even more, it's, it's even more concerning because you think that, like, why didn't anybody stop it? That's the part that really yeah. gets me. Yeah, and that's why that's why I keep saying that it has to be it has to be from the grassroots. It has to be kind of implemented from the start because if people aren't recognizing that this is wrong, then that that's the real issue here. Um, hard right yeah. turn here, Andrew. But let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the NHL uh, lottery, uh, draft lottery. That is, I mean, how typical NHL was it that that they are a having two draft shows when realistically they probably could have just had them in one down the road, and b that yet to be determined is uh, is the winner of the draft lottery. I mean, out, yeah. out, outcome aside, was this the best case process-wise available to the NHL? You know what? Like, in terms of, you know, creating buzz and drama, it kind of is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, No, I hear you. Teams, We're talking about it. You know, we got all these teams. First of all, it kind of blows my mind that they did it on a Friday. Like, the NHL is so tone deaf when it comes to their public relations. Like, <laughs> why would you bury yourself on a Friday doing this? You know what I mean? Like, when draft and whatnot, okay. Like, you're going into the weekend, and that's why, you know, you perhaps do it then. But, like, you know, a Friday when, you know, it's like at 5 o'clock and people, it's a summer. Anyway, they could have they could have done that part a little bit better, thought that part out better. But as far as the team to be determined winning it, I guess Team E is what we found out about it as well. Um, yeah, like it, it's created this kind of buzz and it's, it's hokey, but a lot of the stuff that's kind of ho- happening in sports right now is hokey. I mean, the major league baseball is cutting their season by 102 games, you know, yeah, like, true. you know, and then some people are suggesting, Oh, we might have a 400 hitter. Well, that's not, that, that's not the same. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you can't, you can't make that into the same thing that Dad Williams did. Right. So yeah, like, uh, it, it, you know, this is the, the age of sort of hokiness to happen in sports because what's happening in society right now but again yeah like it got it got people talking it's 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 kind of cool because you know even if if you're a canucks fan 
you go, well, shoot, like, you know, it is pretty much a 50-50 series with Minnesota. I think the, the Canucks have a bit of an edge. But, like, now you, as a fan, you're kind of like, like we talked about it on the show today, and they're like, hey, if you go down two buzz, like, as a fan, you're like, well, I'll tell you what, we, we, we still have hope. You know what I mean? Like, and that's for that first overall pick. A team like Montreal, who should not even be in this to begin with, I can't believe they are. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um. They, I mean, they could now get the guy that, you know, they 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 like they they could have to, you know, I know Alexi Lafreniere is not, you know, uh, the second coming of Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or even Austin Matthews, uh, to bring in another first overall pick. Uh, but he's going to be a very very good player, you know. So to have him in Montreal would be so big for them. Just you know, with a, you know, French Canadian, and it'd just be perfect, right? So now they kind of get a chance to get him too, and I would like to see that because I don't think that Montreal had any business being there anyway. Um, and you know, hopefully Pittsburgh takes care of business. But the big problem is though is what if Toronto loses? What if Pittsburgh loses? Right? Like yeah. now you've got a, and, and then they win the lottery or the potential to win a lottery. But that is that's going to be a bad look, and people are really going to get upset about that. I mean, but at the same time, the NHL made their bed, so they're going to have to lie in it at this point. And you know what could create some fun drama might create some you know pissed off fans if you know teams like Toronto or Pittsburgh don't fail to get into the actual playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, don't forget to follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Wadden and check out Rink Wide Radio if you want to know more about the ins and outs of the Vancouver Canucks prior to the qualifying round against the Minnesota Wild. I mean, we'll, we'll jump right into that, uh, Andrew, since you mentioned it. You think the Vancouver Canucks have a little bit of an edge um, in, in regards to their series against the Minnesota Wild. To be honest, upon, upon doing a deep dive into the Wilds roster on your end, I, I want to know, like, where do you think the Canucks thrive in? I mean, I, I would love your pre- your preliminary thoughts here, because we have primarily, I mean, I got a couple listeners, some of my friends and former Stick and Rink listeners who followed me on the Soda Pod, but for the most part, they're Minnesota Wild loyals here who listen to me, and uh, I would love your preliminary thoughts on this series, because from our point of view, I, I, I speak on behalf of the state of hockey, um, both clubs have great special teams, they both can score, Vancouver has the better goaltending, yes, but the Wild have better defense and five on five play so what say you andrew yeah uh, I, I mean I, the, the wild do have a bit of a struggle to score a little bit but they also are one of those teams that really knows how to systematically sort of lock down other teams i guess you could say they have the high-end talent with the canucks and they're going to have to produce like that, that is, they are going to have to produce because the canucks bottom six in terms of their forward group is not as solid as the Wilds, and of course their defense group is not is not as solid either. But I think you mentioned it as well. Like the Canucks have the advantage in goal, and it, yeah, as you know, in the playoffs, especially in a short series, that's going to be huge. Um, Salok and or Dubnik, depending on who you think is going to get the start uh, in the series for the Wild. I believe we talked to the guys, uh, or we talked to some guys from Minnesota recently on Rinkwide, and they said that Staylock looks like he's going to be, uh, no pun intended, the uh, pun intended, the lock to be their number one. But, I mean, you like what happens if game one doesn't go well for him and they got to make a decision, too. And, you know, Devin Dubnik's proven to be a good goaltender over the years. I mean, didn't have the greatest season this year, but he's the kind of goaltender that uh, might be able to, to slot in and, you know, catch fire for the wild. But I, if I if I was a betting man, and I have been many times in my life, 
I think I would put my money on the Canucks just because of Jacob Markstrom alone. Jacob Markstrom proved this season that he is an elite-level goaltender, and I feel like this is the moment that he really wants to grasp in his career. It's a big offseason for him. I know that a lot of these UFAs right now are wondering what, what, you know, what sort of money is going to be available for them. Jacob Marstrom holds the cards here in Vancouver in a lot of different ways. And I think he wants to, I mean, like, think about it. If Marstrom wins them into the playoffs, I mean, shoot, even if they go out in the first round, but he's good in that first round, that does him so much when it comes to, you know, his negotiations also does him so much in terms of this fan base because, you know, this fan base loves him here. But you also, they're also weary when it comes to goaltenders out here because they've had some good ones, but we've also seen them falter. And, you know, you, we, Roberto Luongo would be a prime example of that as well. And, I mean, shoot, they moved on from him, right? So there's got to be that in Jacob Marstrom's mind because of the fact that he was around. You know, he was a part of the Luongo trade after all. Um, but he, he, you know, he's a competitor, and I and I love the cut of his jib, as they say. And I think <laughs> that Marstrom could be the guy that, uh, you know, really puts them over the top. But uh, I feel like that weight on his shoulders, I I feel like he's ready to carry that. And um, yeah, you know, as they say, like Carey Price, you know, people are like, oh, Carey Price can steal a series for Montreal. Sure, but Montreal doesn't really have you know, the other pieces. Exactly. So Kerry would have to be pretty damn good, whereas the Canucks, they got those other pieces, and they just need Markstrom to be, you know, what he was all year. So, uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, the other areas, special teams, both teams match up very well. I just feel like Vancouver's got a little more high-octane offense, and they got that goal center. And fair enough, because my, my co-host here at the State of Hoppy, he, he said pretty much the exact same thing. He says, if you put Vancouver's top six up against the Minnesota Wilds' top six, Vancouver, they're, they're, they're more talented. You just you can't deny it. However, you go down to the bottom six, Minnesota on their fourth line have Ryan Donato, Miko Koivu, and I, and you know Ryan Hartman from what we've seen yeah. before the, the, the COVID-19 uh, stoppage. And I mean, that line going up against, you know, take your pick, Vancouver's third line or fourth line. I mean, the experience there and scoring power there is a little bit of an edge. And you said in regards to Jacob Markstrom I don't even th- I wouldn't even look at it as a weight I think it's motivation because it's like this is my yeah. time to shine yeah. and if I do I'm getting 6.5 million dollars plus every year on my next contract whether in Vancouver or not so I-, I I truly believe that the one wild card I'm going to throw out you and no pun intended on my part is I think a lot of the Minnesota Wild fans just because Devin Dubik had a hard year off the ice with some familial responsibilities his wife was very sick and his just mind from day one was not was not on the ice and fair enough so Staylock as a proven backup or a 1b this year has been able to take the reins and at least keep the wild you know treading water enough where they had a good second half of the season to bring them into this qualifying series but there's a young guy in the AHL called Kapo Kakinen and because kind of everyone's uh, slate is clean here and he's not necessarily used to just dominating in the AHL and used to AHL shots right now in that rhythm a lot of people are saying that he may get the start just to see if hey can this guy do it does he have fire and if not then you bring in Staylock as the backup and make him uh, and put him in in the rest of the series so that's just something I guess for uh, for everyone else to, to chew on and for, for you to think about as well um we only got a couple more minutes here andrew so i want to quickly get your thoughts on uh well the uh <laughs> the hall of fame induction here because every year there seems to be 
a conversation piece around the inductees. No brainer this year that Jerome McGinley and Hosa got in first ballot. I mean, I love to see both of, both of that. What I want to know from you, though, and we're not going to talk about those who got snubbed because that's that's the main storyline every year. There's always going to be people who are snubbed. But I want to know um, from you if, if Kevin Lowe deserved the call, uh, all cups aside, because he was not even close to Doug Wilson points-wise uh, per game or career. And, and I get he won the championships and played hard defense and played with and around those amazing players, you know, Messier, Gretzky. Um, but... I don't know. I don't think it's the Hall of Very Good, and I know that's what everybody says. But in my opinion, you need to be great on the ice and bring something special to the table. So do you think you deserve the call? No, I don't. Um, you know, what if Kevin Lowe is not on those Oilers teams but is on that Rangers team? You know what I mean? Exactly, like, what if yeah. He have his, what if he, you know, like guilty by association is not really the right phrase here, but like, he was on that team with all those amazing players and got all those cups because, and don't get me wrong, he was a major part of it in terms of, you know, being that lockdown D-man, the guy that can, you know, puck-moving D-man, get it out. But he wasn't a big point producer. And, like, the one thing that, that is always stands out to me is, like, can you definitively say Hall of Famer? So, like, when you go Kevin Love, uh, I always say uh, Kevin Love, Kevin Love, <laughs> Uh, I go, no. And honestly, I'll push back a little bit on Marion Olsen. Marion Olsen, to me, is not first ballot. Okay, okay. Very very good player. Definitely Hall of Famer, but not first ballot. But I I use that sort of when I think of, like, baseball. And I know the baseball hall is kind of the one in terms of, like, okay, you got to be really, really – you got to be a Hall of Famer to get into the Major League Baseball Hall, uh, into Cooperstown. You know what I mean? Yeah. And – so when I think of first ballot, it always makes me kind of go, whoa, but I, I, I guess I'm associating it with Major League Baseball. So, you know, maybe I have to relax a little bit when I think about the hockey one and go, oh, okay, yeah, I can see why, Marion. Like, you know, the, the Sedins will be first ballot next year. Obviously, Iggy was, was a lot. I can't believe it took that long to put Doug Wilson in. Like, that's just ridiculous. It's just so dumb that they didn't have him in so long ago and alexander mcgillany got robbed i'm sorry like alexander mcgillany deserves to get in there theo Fleury deserves to get in there. oh i know again these are just like if you're going to have this sort of laxed um hall of good or very good is what you called it then yeah like all those guys need to be in and the old boys club got kevin lowe in like a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Like I know. I I know. Wayner was pushing for him for years, and and good on Wayner. He should do that. They're you know good friends. They're still a part of the Edmonton Oilers organization. Like so, I can see why Wayner you know went to bat for his boys, but or for his boy. But you really you gotta be you know you, like to me it's like it's like there's gotta be like is he a Hall of Famer? And there's and if you don't think he is, or, or like there's gotta be a, a legit debate. It doesn't even seem like there's a legit debate in this one. You know what I mean? With Kevin Lowe. So no disrespect to him as a person, as a player. I don't know him as a person, but as a player, he was he was good, but not Hall of Fame worthy to me. Yeah, because you look at Guy Carboneau last year, and a lot of people had pushback on him, and you look at just his production and play, and he was a way better player than, than Kevin Lowe. And I know, well, they're both in the Hall of Fame now, but it, it's just... Yeah, the, just inconsistent and it's frustrating. And in regards to you pushing back on Hosa, I respect that. And you know what? This this is my thoughts on that. And I guess like just to to, to agree with you in in a little in a little sense here, 
I find him as a very similar player to Aginla, except Aginla brought that like animal factor where like he would he would fight, right? Where Hosa he didn't bring that factor. And when I talk about Hall of Famers, it's like you have to be great on the ice in every aspect, you know, in regards to your position, but bring something extra. So I, I can understand where you're coming from because Hosa, you know, he checks all the boxes. Stanley Cup winners. He uh you know went met went to the finals on multiple teams. He produced on on pretty much every club he he was at, but that extra factor, sure, Hall of Famer, but first ballot, you know, I, I, I can agree with what you're saying there. Um, a- Andrew, this has been an absolute blast, man. Before we leave here, <laughs> the state of hockey also thinks that they are the state of hoppy. From your experience in British Columbia uh, now, Andrew, how does BC Craft Beer compare to the rest of North America? BC Craft Beer? Yes, sir. This is oh, the yeah. soda pod. <laughs> we talk oh, about yeah, wobbly no, pops. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I, I think it would stand up to... You know, anybody that's out there right now, you know, there's just so many different cool breweries. Um, you know, I, I think that maybe Oregon and Washington got a bit of a head start on BC, but I would feel like BC, at least from what I've drank from around here, is got to be on par with them. I, I, you know, one thing I love is a West Coast Pale Ale, and we've got so many good ones. Like even a Hazy Pale Ale, I love that. We've got so many good brands here. So I think BC definitely stands up with, at least the rest of that I've drank, and that's a lot uh, down the west coast of the United States. But uh, I've also had some that uh, are in Canada, are in Canada nowadays, like in Ontario and whatnot. I think BC, as far as Canada's concerned, BC's number one for the craft beer. I think that uh, you know you might find something down in the U.S., especially on the west coast, that might rival it. But uh, I think they'd be hard pressed to. BC's pretty damn good. Hey, I just actually picked up a hazy uh, pale ale from Gladstone's Brewery in Courtney. So the next time you're on the island in the valley, uh, check out Gladstone's because okay. they're an up-and-coming one, and they're they got a cool vibe there. It's uh, I just moved to Courtney actually, and I'm I'm loving it thus far up here up here in the valley. So uh, shout out beautiful BC baby. Uh, we're out of time, Andrew. Thank you for yours. Honestly, man, keep up the outstanding work uh, at TSN. I-, I think you're a star, and uh, if there's anything you want to pump, uh, please please do so now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you guys want to give me a follow, hit me up at Andrew Wadden, W-A-D-D-E-N, and uh, check out uh, the podcast every weekend for Rinkwide. It's up on uh, Apple or iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Myself and J.D. Burke uh, host that each and every week. And then Sports Saturdays, uh, which is 11 a.m. on TSN 1040 uh, till 1. It's kind of the... uh, uh, moose bush before we get into uh, <laughs> uh, rink wide, but uh, it's always good to for me because I get to go all around the sports world as opposed to just hockey on rink wide. So uh, check that out as well. You can head over to tsn1040.ca and uh, just check out the shows. We have podcasts up there as well. And um, yeah, just appreciate you coming on here and uh, looking forward to hopefully the puck being dropped at some point here and we can get back to you know actually talking about hockey games as opposed to hub cities and covid because i'm both of those out right now (laughs) oh absolutely man i mean there's only so much we can preview in regards to the wild and canucks Uh, we'll catch up again once the hopefully the puck drops and and these two teams play each other thanks again man really appreciate it thanks for having me thanks again andrew that was awesome State of Hoppy, I know I sent it to you uh, prior to recording here. You got to listen to a chunk of it. I mean, the guy's a pro, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, <laughs> I have a couple things I wanted to bring to the table here. I said, in, you know, right off the hop, that it was going to be a, uh, a KHL-heavy uh, podcast here. And I want to get right away into, uh, into, well, 
some twins talk because there's a KHL team, a Murr in the KHL, who signed uh, a one-year deal, uh, renewed a one-year deal contract with the, the Ushinin brothers. Now, who are the Ushinin brothers, you may ask? I didn't even know either, but because I'm from well, the west coast of Canada, Vancouver Island, obviously followed the Canucks uh, throughout my, my upbringing, and I'm, I'm a huge Henrik and Daniel Sedin fan. Whenever I hear about twins in hockey, I, I get super pumped. Um, so the Ushinin twins, there's a Vladislav and Vishalislav. Wow. Can't believe I pronounced that one right <laughs> off the bat. But anyways, uh, both of them, they're both 28 years old. Um, they played their entire careers in the KHL for Amir uh, Kabarask. And um, they're, not, they're not huge point getters like the Sedins, okay? They're like the Sedins in the early 2000s. Uh, respected 25 to 35 point players. Um, of course, though, since they are twins, since, uh, since they do play on each other's lines, their points are pretty much identical, which is what, what I expected to see. And, you know, guess what, man? One's the score and one's the setup, man. Um, <laughs> uh, Vichaslav, he's the, he's the setup man with uh, 23 assists and nine goals for 32 points. And his brother, Vladislav, had uh, 16 goals with 18, point, or 18 assists for 34 uh, points on the season. Um, do you know any other cases of twins you know, uh, in and around like Minnesota who've come up and played? Uh, I mean, I, I know of a lot of siblings. I don't know offhand any twins. I mean, yeah, obviously it's not common. And I heard like years ago that there was, there was a, there were two Swedish kids who were coming up, uh, these twins uh, again. And they were like, Oh, they're only like 14 years old or something like that. And they're like sitting 2.0 sitting 2.0. Dude, I can't that even sucks. like, I can't even find the article anymore. So I don't know what happened to them, but hearing about these two guys, I, I can't believe honest, honestly, I haven't heard of the, the, the Yushinin brothers prior since, well, I've, I've kept tabs on twins in the, in the hockey world, much like in North America. Uh, they were the Spink twins who played NC, NCAA hockey. They're from Ontario. They played for Colgate university uh, between 2012 and 2016. It's the same sort of thing, you know, 30, I think one of them hit the 40 point mark, 37 points um, playing on the same line uh, for the Colgate Un for Colgate University and uh, now and then they actually like they, they're still playing professional hockey uh, a small stint in the ECHL alone uh, to the AHL respectively a little bit they were high point getters in the ECHL like 70 points in 60 games sort of thing uh, they both played in the SCHL last year and now are each ripping it up in Liga matching oh, just about uh, Tyler or Tyson Spink had 35 points and Tyler Spink which their names are even pretty similar, had 32 points in uh, 52 games respectively. So they struggled a little bit in the SHL, but it seems like they found a, found, found a home in Liga playing for Asa. And Liga is a great, a great league, very entertaining league. And it's cool that uh, both of these guys at 27 years old, very similar to the 28-year-old uh, Yushinin twins, have found a place in uh, European hockey. I don't know. I thought this story was super cool, and it would, I, I thought I'd you know bring up uh, bring up the profiles and stats a little bit rather than just you know reading off that oh there, there's twins in Russia and there's twins now in uh, now in Liga who are Canadian by the way. I was actually going to say Vladislav and Vyacheslav are probably just Daniel and Henrik Sedin doing their retirement tour right now, <laughs> on a wig or something. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think they're actually still in Vancouver running marathons, but uh, you know, what's, what's crazy is like Daniel and Henrik, they probably could have played another season. They probably could have put up 40 points, but 
You could well, tell I mean, if you you're, tell if the you're pace. willing to take enough of a discount, they could have played another three or four years. Yeah, it, it was just the pace. And like they were never the fastest yeah. guys, anyways, right? Their their game was moving the puck through the neutral zone. Um, or starting in in the offensive zone. Their game was never speed anyways. And once the game sped up, you know, yeah. it was it was very noticeable that if they didn't have someone else who was bringing the puck into the zone for them, um, they, they, they definitely lost it more times than they, they won the battles in, in the neutral zone. Uh, one more piece of KHL news as we move on here. KHL president uh, Alexei Morozov has revealed that the league still intends to expand further. That's right. The KHL is going to expand. Uh, Asia still appears to be the the goal as teams from Japan and South Korea uh, seem to be the front runners here. Now, no no names have been officially mentioned in the league's goal for for, for a long time, but uh, they have said that, you know, continuing expansion into Asia now that there is a, a team in China um, is their goal. And, and I mean, that's kind of, I think every hockey market right now wants to, gain some sort of, uh, of leeway into the Asian markets. I know the NHL is obviously not going to bring a team there, uh, but this, the, the now defunct CWHL, believe it or not, had a team in China, uh, State of Hoppy. I did not know that. How crazy is that? Uh, the Canadian Women's Hockey League had a team in China. Shenyan, I believe. How does that even work logistically? Uh, you uh, play a lot of games while you're there, and I think a f- multiple teams were there at once, and they'd play, you know, in chi- in games in China. Dang. And, and you know what? That again, from growing hockey in in the Asian market, that makes sense because then it, it gives the fans in China more games to see, and more or yeah. more brands to to check out. But it's still it's it's still weird. I actually when it folded, I um I reached out to. Um, a Chinese Canadian woman who played for the team and, and had lived in China for a while and it just didn't work out um, scheduling issues and whatnot. I should try to reach out again though. Cause it, it was an interesting story, both the, how, you know, their perspective when the league folded and also just playing ca- Canadian hockey in fucking China. Right. No, it's, it's a different world over there, but there's, it's crazy how many people actually are into hockey there. I got a buddy that I played high school hockey with, and he actually played out here at St. Thomas University, or University St. Thomas, sorry. Uh, but he's overseas now, and he's in South Korea, and he teaches over there, but just kind of fell face first into a hockey league out there too. And it's like there are so many people out there that are actually really, really skilled. It's just kind of making that transition to play more of a physical game from what he tells me that's a little bit more of a, a gap. But, mm-hmm. you know, KHL making footholds in this and trying to expand in the Asian market. It's smart, man. It's only going to do more for the NHL too, because that's just that much more of a grassroots system out there. Yeah. More people are going to play and watch it. There's going to be more of that craving for it, whether that's trying to tune in and watch the NHL or just having, you know, the first couple of studs that come over from Asia. Man, you you took the words right out of my mouth because they're going to be basically just do the NHL a favor. Like yep. if they, if they, if they make hockey relevant in China, then more and more players are going to grow up in China, aspiring to not come to the KHL. They're going to probably want to come to the NHL a hundred percent. Cause it's, it's always NHL first. It goes full circle though. Cause I mean, you look at it, the NHL is not going to be expanding past 32 teams anytime soon. I think they're pretty comfortable with that. There, there'll always be a surplus of talent. If you keep on getting more and more regions, bring players in. So that means there's either players that aren't getting the contracts they want defecting to the KHL 
or players that start in the KHL and decide they're happy there because they don't want to come to the States. That is true. I just have to so imagine. Goes full that, circle. No, a hundred percent. I just have to imagine that once like hockey's more of a, well, more of a, a, a bigger sport um, nationwide in China that the NHL will kind of just like snake in and be like, Oh, here's our, <laughs> here's our NHL live Chinese package. If you want, by the way, 100%. <laughs> um, what else do we got here? What else do we got here? Um, let's, uh, uh, I mean, I, again, I'm not super um, dialed into to what goes on in the, the American hockey league. I'll be perfectly honest, but I did want to just bring this up out of respect for, uh, for AHL president and CEO, Dave Andrews, who brought his 26th season tenure to a close. Um, and it sucks that it had to end this way for him. Uh, you know, the AHL season obviously ending, and now, well, there's a possibility that there may not be uh, an American Hockey League season even even next year. I know the ECHL is, is struggling just to keep teams afloat right now. The AHL and uh, is another league that, you know, the NHL can still pay out their players, but AHL, AHL owners, I mean, they're, they're, a, huge, they're a huge step down um, from the, those billionaires who run uh, and, and oversee National Hockey League teams. And uh, it just sucks for Dave Andrews, who's done outstanding work with the American Hockey League, especially this last decade, um, to, to go out this way. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit off this uh, Twitter uh, thread. The AHL, um, well, the Bob McKenzie of the AHL, uh, Mr. Patrick Williams, who's a supporter of the Hockey Podcast Network. So thank you, Patrick. He, uh, this was actually an awesome tweet by him. He started a thread um, just basically retweeting and commenting on all those who um, who were praising and who uh, and who thanked um, who thanked Dave Andrews and I'm not going to go through them all but there's some notable names here um, and just some cool stories for example Howard uh, Dolligan um, he, he talked about how uh, he, he's now the owner of the Syracuse the Syracuse Crunch and he said that um, it was the first season on the job for Andrews when Howard bought the hockey when uh, Howard brought hockey back to Syracuse in 1994, and that he was just a huge help in that process. Uh, Barry Melrose led the Adirondack Red Wings to a 1992 Calder Cup one season before Dave Andrews won it as general manager of the Cape Breton Oilers. And Barry Melrose uh, gives congratulations to Dave Andrews as well. Uh, Mike McKenna, you know the biggest suitcase in the league. Uh, both the AHL and NHL, um, who's out now actually doing work for the AHL media, which is awesome. He had some kind words on him as well. And it just, it just goes on and on and on, man. Like the, I'm just scrolling through the thread here and there's so many big names, not only within uh, the hockey world and NHL large, but again, the, the AHL and the minor leagues here who, wow, like it's just so much praise for him. And, uh, and I wanted to give praise to him as well. Cause again, like I'm not dialed into the AHL as much as maybe I should be, but I do recognize that in the last decade, this, this league went from something that I wouldn't even care to be interested in to something that I'm like, you know, this is damn good hockey. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, do you have any thoughts on it or any, any, any words before we move on? A lot of it's reiterating what you said, but the big thing for me is, you know, you look at, the Vegas and Seattle expansions, that's not happening without the AHL. A hundred percent. So much development's being done there. So many players are coming up through the systems, whether it's players that are getting drafted or you look at all the guys that are coming out of NCAA hockey now and just jumping into AHL programs. You know, there's a lot of studs that have come out of nowhere and it's because of that AHL development. And if you don't have someone like him running that league, 
who knows if we have hockey in Vegas or Seattle right now. Well, and to be honest, it's, it's argued to be the second best hockey league in the world, right up there with the KHL. And actually, Kyle McLaren has just joined, uh, joined the live stream here on Facebook, former San Jose Sharks and Boston Bruin. He's also the co-host of the Stick Hungry podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the San Jose Sharks. And I'm sure, I mean, he can even attest to it as well. The, the AHL, e- even back in the day where it was more of a... Uh, I guess the jungle, more of a fight-based league, has now developed into damn good hockey um, where you could, you know, there's that term where like you face AHL shots to, to NHL shots if you're a goaltender. Well, the gap has closed a, a lot in the last 10 years where if you, if you can't play hockey at a high level, you can't hack it in the AHL because the ECHL is not a bad league either. And th- there's some players who, you know, have all the talents in the world coming out of junior and you can't even hack it in the AHL. Yeah, and it's just it's a just a huge uh, uh, a huge tip of the cap. Um, we give him a, a toast here on the soda pod to to Dave Andrews. Okay, now let's get into what the Wild fans want, and uh, you know something that I know um, that that you want to sink your teeth into as well. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov and other Europeans on NHL reserve list, but who are not signed yet. Cannot join the respected clubs, NCAA and CWHL kids however are permitted you know Bowen Byram for example is already en route to Colorado um, and their camp man this is devastating for wild fans now I know it's not set in stone but it seems that as a result of uh, one part of these new CBA negotiations that this was one of the this was one of the bargaining chips that uh, that you know that did not go in the Minnesota Wilds favor. Um, l- let's start this conversation here, man. I mean, what were your thoughts when you first heard the news? Well, first thought is it doesn't really shock me at all. Like it definitely sucks. And I get where people are coming from being mad, but if anyone thought that this was beyond the NHL to do, like it really just doesn't shock me, sadly. Well, why is that though? I mean, what, what is the NH- like really, what does this serve? That's, that's what I can't get. Like I get there's, there's negotiations yeah. and you have to, you know, uh, back and forth in regards to, to agreeing on, on something um, for, for the CBA and to, to get, well, obviously the players had an issue with Esprit, the players had an issue with the Olympics. Those were two things that really needed to, to be changed. But, but in your understanding, I mean, how, why is, why is this even happening? It's not a health risk. Is it just like more paperwork that the NHL doesn't doesn't want to file? I mean, I, I've been reading through Russo's art, uh, Michael Russo of the of the Athletic. I've been listening to his, his radio hits, his podcasts, and reading through his articles, and I just can't make sense of why the NHL wants to do this. No, and I'm I'm with you on that front. I don't know why they want to do this. Um, at the end of the day, the only thing I can come up with, and this is me grasping at straws, but there are teams that are probably not happy about the potential of the wild's best player coming out of nowhere. And that's not just to focus on the Minnesota wild and Carol Kaprizov, but that's the reality. Like there are teams out there and I don't know how much owners have say in the ear of the NHL or just get loud and scream, but there are teams that very much want to push this year to win the Stanley cup, whether or not there's an asterisk perceived there. And bringing in players like that definitely messes with that. Um, so is that, that's the only thing I can come up with. I don't see a reason for the NHL not to bring them in, especially right now where it sounds like all the leagues are coming back at the same time. You've got the NBA with a plan for their bubble. 
You got the MLB planning to launch at the end of July. You got the NHL going in the end of July. For the last couple of months, the first league to come out was the PLL, uh, Premier Lacrosse. They've been long set for a late July start. So everyone's coming back at the same time. Why would you not want to have the intrigue and excitement of some of these players to inject into it? So I'm not arguing at all that it's beneficial for the NHL to bring them in. I'm just saying it doesn't shock me that they would make this type of a decision because well, they just can do what they want. And for me, I just, I just roll my eyes at it. Cause you know, that, that was my first thought too, which was okay. I get that maybe the NHL doesn't want to deal with again, having to create that clause and, uh, and just going through just quote unquote, the hassle of that. And also it was, again, it was, it was part of the bargaining chip in regards to, to making sure that, okay, well, if, if we can do this, if we can have this clause in set here, then, then you can have, you know, your, your Olympics and we can, we, and you can, we, we can talk about, um, you know, uh, escrow, yeah. escrow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Making changes to that. But, for the for the National Hockey League, it seems like it's the exact same thing with the with the CHL and NCAA. I mean, I get that they're not pro. I get that, and and players coming from pro leagues in, and I think that's that's the biggest factor. But you could still have a stud come from the NCAA and help a team. I mean, Kale McCarr, cough cough. Um, and I know with the Vancouver Canucks a few years ago, Brock Besser came in and just lit it up as well. I know they weren't in the playoffs. They were towards the end of the season, but shit, the Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks, they're not in the playoffs yet. This well, is a shit. Look at, look at Paling going to Montreal the last game of the season and putting up a hat trick in his first game. Exactly, man. And, and furthermore, doesn't the National Hockey League want that? Don't they want to grow excitement for the league and for yeah. teams like Minnesota that don't get me wrong. They're huge in the state of hockey, but they don't get the respect they deserve league wide. Why won't you, why don't you want this kid who could potentially be the next league superstar in the playoffs when everybody is going to be watching? Everyone has been starved for sports. And I get there's so many poll questions coming out right now from radio stations and talks, you know, from K fan to TSN that are saying, well, are people even going to be, you know, wanting hockey in August? Fucking rights they will. We've been starved for sports. Whatever live sports we can get back, we're going to eat it up. Doesn't matter if it's raining or it's sunshine. Yeah. Or if you're Calgary, and, hail the sizes golf balls, because that happens in August. Yeah. But that's, I mean, as we keep on talking about this, Isha, there, there has to be something here. Like, there has to be. If that was a big enough bargaining chip to get over escrow and to get over Olympic play, like, those are things that they've been fighting tooth and nail about for a while. I'm not saying that's all that got it done. But if that was a big enough piece to move the needle, there have to be some owners that have enough pull or there has to be someone of influence that did not want those players in. I have no clue who that is or why it is that they don't want them, but there's more here that I'm just going to wait for another three or four months until the article comes out on The Athletic and I'll read about it, I guess. (laughs) Um, Speaking of The Athletic, um, this is uh, from Michael Russo and he writes, uh, the the C, uh, the escrow topic and the the participation in the 2020 and 2026 Winter Olympics those are just two concessions that have allowed the NHL to win the fight to keep Kaprizov from debuting this summer the NHL stance all along was that rosters have been set for a while and it would be unfair to allow players of Kaprizov's ilk to just parachute in and debate in the qualifying round against the Vancouver Canucks and then potential postseason as we were just talking about 
Uh, and now, man, Kaprizov has the decisions to make. And Russo outlines here exactly what I outlined on Twitter. Um, he'll be able to sign his two-year deal starting in the 2019-20 season, but not eligible to play this summer. He can sign his two-year contract starting in the 2020-2021 season, or he can re-sign in the KHL for another year. And because the 2020-2021 season may not begin until as late as January, that's a lot of waiting time for a young kid who needs to keep developing, who needs to keep playing, and who needs to stay fresh. And why wouldn't he, especially if the AHL season is compromised, want to go back to Russia or not want to go back to Russia? It just makes sense. Um, Again, he, he and this is something I want to get into with you. Theoretically, he could be he could sign with the Wild and be loaned to the KHL, but they just, don't want that. But Wild's <laughs> luck, right? CSKA Moscow, and and you know what? Yeah. Fair enough with them because Kaprizov is one of their top players. He was their leading scorer. I don't scorer. blame them for a second. People are like, why wouldn't exactly CSKA want to do this? Like, really? So you would want to play the first like two thirds of the year with Spurgeon, with Fiala, whatever, and then oh for the last third of the season in playoffs, you don't have them. Like who, who wants to sign up for that? Yeah. And I know the SHL and, and, and Liga respectively have their NHL out clauses. The KHL doesn't. And you know what? I don't blame them for that. Man, Kirill Kaprizov, 62 points in 57 games, led his team by, by you know, almost 20 points. Um, you know, Lyndon Vay was in the, in the 40s. Um, man, like, that's exactly... Like, I agree with that 100%. I, I don't blame... Uh, Moscow at all for not wanting to release to release him, especially if they want to make another run because they were they were one of those teams who could have competed for Gagarin Cup this year. Yeah, and it's it's tough too because I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here, but people went nuts and like all of a sudden had this rejuvenation of excitement that Kaprasov is definitely going to be here because of this new clause that you know it sounds like they're going to allow him to sign now and just not play burn a year and then play next year. I don't see that as being any different than what the previous situation was because yeah. his concern is being able to play meaningful hockey before December or January. This doesn't allow him to do that. So it doesn't change anything. It doesn't make him any more or less likely to come. It's pretty much either he's okay waiting or he isn't. And then there's that little sliver of hope that, Hey, maybe if he you know cares that much about coming over and playing in the NHL next year at some point, why not play in a Euro league? I don't think he'll do that, but it's an option. Man, if he played in, in Liga or the SHL, it would, oh, it would be such a weight off my shoulders. I'd be so just relieved. Oh, that but would be I, the best news I could receive. Otherwise, until then, no news is good news in my eyes because I don't know why he would make a decision before the KHL season's resuming or before the NHL makes a stance for when they're going to resume. Because for all we know, the postseason could be canceled. Like all of this you know, posturing and going back and forth on, you know, who's going to win the play-in matchups, who's going to have the high seed for those top four in the East and West. Like, the NHL played it perfectly to generate interest, but there's still no guarantee that we see games. So why wouldn't he wait, figure out, maybe the season will start in October or November, in which case we've got a different situation, you know? So I think, I think that's what he's going to do. Don't I don't have an answer the better. I don't think he's going to put pen to paper right now. I mean, why Russia? Right. And, and let's be honest, he's, he's CSK's uh, superstar. If he wants to skip training camp and just sign and just, you know, when, like you said, in a couple months when, okay, the NHL is not going to continue. Um, I'm just going to sign with the, with the KHL. Yep. I'm sure 
the young man would uh, would be fine with skipping that whatever two month long KHL. I don't even want to say training camp. You know, army style boot camp. Yeah, I don't know what to call that. <laughs> um, the one thing though, man, and Russo highlights this at the end of his article. And again, if if Wild fans probably already know all this because they were they were dialed into K fan. But for those who are on Facebook Live and, and watching on YouTube, and those uh, who who listen here from Vancouver Island or, or the West Coast, um, he. If he ends up signing with the KHL for one more year, it furthers his NHL start, right? And he'll be entering his 24-year-old season after January 1st. This means that he will only be able to sign a one-year entry-level contract uh, with the Wild for 2021-2022. So again, this is just wild luck because if he rips it up, they have to pay him. They have to pay him because he could become an unrestricted free agent after 2023, 2024. So they have to pay him money and they have to pay him long-term. There's no room for bridge contracts. Yep. And the one thing that sucks there, but the one thing that sucks there is like, if he puts up four, say like 45 points, I don't know, 20 some goals. It's like, okay, that it's still kind of a gamble. Cause it's like, okay, you've, you've done well, but are you going to develop? Are you going to stay the same? Or are you going to regress? And they have to pay him regardless. So that's, uh, it's just, it's bad luck, man, is what it comes down to. Like the the wild, I think they've gone through what three or four GMs who've, who've tried to figure this out and it, it, and none of them have fucked up. It's just the way it is. Yeah, for sure. But it is one of those things that it could go so many different ways now that, I know everyone just wants something to talk about so we can talk about it. But at this point, there's just so many unknowns that like, I don't even know where to go. Well, I don't even think the Kaprasov stuff, but as far as Russo on K fan, he brought up a very interesting point that we could be looking at a new NHL season altogether with all of this that's happening. Well, starting the season in December or January and rolling from there just making that the new norm. How crazy is that? It, it's crazy, but you know, aside from NHL players being pissed that they can't play golf, it makes sense. Like think about you, you no longer have to fight with MLB postseason to start your season. There's very limited overlap with the NFL. You've pretty much got the monopoly. Then moving forward, you're battling with basketball, but it is what it is. You're the only t- league that's going deep into the summer You've got all eyes. Well, and you so know, there's definitely benefits to it. It's just, you know, I obviously am very accustomed to <laughs> my NHL calendar, but yeah. from a, you know, revenue perspective and generating interest, I, I get it. The one thing I'll, I'll, I'll contest you on there is especially in Canada, especially Northern Canada, there's two months out of the year where you can spend outside comfortably. And yeah. do people want to spend a whole evening watching hockey. And I know like the diehards will, but, but you know, admittedly like second, third round, I'll probably miss some games and, and I don't ever want to miss any playoff games. That's why when it happens, you know, in April, it just, it makes sense. And maybe that's just because I'm used to it. And if, and if it you know, starts transpiring in this cycle, then it'll be better. But I have to say that like, if it starts in December, like aren't, aren't the world juniors going to compromise that as well? Because that's a huge, like up in Canada, man, like, World Juniors is more important to me than actual Christmas Day. So, <laughs> For sure. And also argue you might get better World Juniors out of it then because if it's the beginning of the season, NHL teams might be more likely to Ooh. let guys go that direction before coming to the team. That's, but, a, no, that's you're, a good you're, point. You have a good, a good point, point too there, though. 
That's a good but point. But the other man. piece that, that Russo kind of hit on as to where he, you know, can see it being something that makes sense. The only reason it hasn't happened to this point is because of rink technology. Like they couldn't yeah. play hockey in the summer. And that's clearly not an issue now, given that that's for, true. you know, end of July and all of August, we were still talking until a week ago about Vegas being a hub city. So like yeah. throw that out the window. It's doable, but yeah, I'm, Trust me, there's plenty of reasons that I'd be opposed to a change like that. I'm just saying it's it's interesting conversation, I guess, because you know if you don't, you're playing catch up for another couple of years after this to try and get back to normal, quote unquote. Yeah, oh, man, just to put a bow on it. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov, 62 points again this year in 57 <laughs> games, 51 points last year in 57 games. I believe he led the the league in in goals both years. Don't quote me on that, but he was up there. Um, I mean, just ever since he he came into the the KHL, he's put up points. You know, his first year he had 27, but he split time with the MHL, the minor leagues as well. And his next year he was pretty much point per game, 42 and 49, 20 goals. I mean, this guy's a machine. He can score goals. He can drive the net. He can win battles. And you know what? His skating is, for, for what I've seen anyways, and I mean, you never can tell until you get on the small ice, but his skating is, has been unbelievable. And I'm pretty sure the KHL are... are are um are making their ice smaller moving forward. Now I don't know how much, and I don't think they're going to NHL size, but I did read somewhere that they I think they're going to go most. Oh no, know what it was? It was most uh, KHL franchises. Now this is, another, this is a topic for another day as well. And we've talked about this on past Soda Pod episodes. I believe they have the choice to either go to a uh, uh, the hybrid ice or to, to stay um, with the their their current uh, sized. Um, ice sheet and that oh, a lot of, and a lot of teams are going to to diminish the size a little bit just because it, it makes it easier for players who, for even imports to come in who are a little bit more used to the to the angles and whatnot my whole thing too and again this is a conversation for another day um is like is that even fucking fair because again goalies and and whatnot redefine are like, home ice advantage oh right? like to uh, like to to another extreme um, but anyways, like I said, we're going to put a bow on this conversation right now. We'll, we'll talk about ice sheets some other time because like, man, I mean, you, you've played the game. I'm sure you could, you can tell like when you went, when you went to Barnes that like had smaller, that smaller ice and you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> oh God. No, we, we were the one that actually had like pretty standard size ice. And there were a couple of teams we'd play that had Olympic sheets and we just lit up because we were never the bigger team. We were the faster team. So that was nice. That was real fun. <laughs> In actually the the junior B league out here on the Vancouver Island, the VIJHL, um, I'm pretty sure it's Sanich who has uh, the smaller rink. And so there's one team in, in the league who has a smaller rink, and uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of complaints that come out from the players who are like, "Oh, we hate going there because it's just right. like they like they know they know it that they, they practice there and everything, right?" And uh, yeah. I mean, and those who play in the in the VIJHL, there's there's not that many teams in the league, so you get used to it pretty quick. But still, I mean, I have to imagine it's a it's a nuisance. Uh, nonetheless okay let's uh let's move on uh quickly to um the soda pods uh well the soda pods nhl based poll question this week we didn't get a lot of run on it but um so so we won't talk about it too much because we also did chime in on, on that topic last week on the podcast i know we were a little late to posting it but it was it was mostly because we just wanted to figure out like what we we're going to do moving forward with our poll questions and obviously we've we've figured it out we're going to do one hockey based one and of course one uh beer based one 
But last week we asked, what are you most upset about in regards to the Hockey Hall of Fame's 2020 uh, inductees? Uh, choices were uh, Theron Fleury being snubbed, Alex Mogilny being snubbed, Kevin Lowe enters the Hockey Hall of Fame, or Ken Holland entering while he's active. Uh, very small voting, but the consensus was that Alex Mogilny uh, it was what people were most upset about. He won the poll at 82%. And for me, it was kind of, it was either Theron Fleury or McGillney. Yeah, we went hard on Kevin Lowe, um, but that, I don't know. It, I, both of those players, either or being snubbed is what fired me up more than Kevin Lowe getting in. That just made me roll, roll my eyes, much like Kenny Holland getting in when he was still active. Yep. No, there's, there's not a whole lot to say on that. To your point, I'm always more mad if, someone's getting snubbed and someone getting in it's more you know i'm not mad at kevin lowe i'm just shocked that kevin lowe was chosen over mcgillany or flurry so exactly exactly okay let's uh dive into our discussion questions on twitter we're gonna usually post two a week sometimes we'll post one sometimes we'll post none it all depends on uh well what we have to talk about and uh the news of the week but this one, um, again, Russo was talking about it when he made his rounds on uh, KFAN. I believe he even hosted – did he host Wednesday or, or Thursday? But he hosted the morning show, and it was fucking awesome. I mean, man, yep. I listened to just as much KFAN as TSN, and I joked <laughs> on Twitter being like, am I the only one from Vancouver Island who's listening to KFAN radio right now? I want to know if there's anybody else. <laughs> yeah, well, it's too bad. You, you're missing all the entertainment because I think it's from like – three in the morning your time until seven in the morning is the best show is it okay well you yeah, know like Dr. i said morning show is great i mean you can obviously listen to it later via podcast but that's that's exactly what I'm adding to the laundry list of podcasts you probably listen to already well what are the best shows in your opinion because to be honest i only really chime in when there's hockey when there's hockey uh stuff but i love radio regardless of the sport because yeah. those who, who do good radio the best broadcasters out there um you know the best personalities they can they can make whatever topic that 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 that, that they're presenting um they, they can make it interesting for any listener that's why i love yep. tsn 1040 because i'll listen to fucking the golf segments and i could care less about golf I, like i don't care about the pga tour at all but I'll still listen to Bob Weeks of TSN and be like, fucking rights, man. I, I want to hear what you say yep. because you do a good job and the people interviewing you do an outstanding job as well. So quickly before we move on, I know we're quickly going on a tangent here, but what, what are the best shows on KFAN? And uh, those listening on Twitter, I mean, chime in as well. Let me know who you like. Yeah, and, and again, my favorite has always been the Power Trip Morning Show. Okay. Um, it's definitely more of a comedic approach. Well, that's what um, I love. And morning shows know, have to be like They're definitely that. looking for the parody aspect in a lot of things. Um, but they do bring in, you know, really good sports personalities. Uh, a lot of it is more catered, I'd say, towards the NFL. Because uh, that's it's, just it's the United K-Fans States, dude. <laughs> it's the United buttered, States. Right? But no, I mean, they have a really good relationship with both Jason and Carly Zucker. Both cool. of them were very regular guests. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but Jason Zucker's wife is – a big media personality herself. She, she still lives in the state, right? Yep. Yeah, she still lives in the state. Yeah, no, I've tuned into her segments on KFAN as well. I mean, the Zucker family are, are awesome. You know, it doesn't take oh, a yeah. Minnesota native to know that. You know, the whole hockey world knows that. Right? Like, no, I'd they, hope they, they are hope the greatest. Them. Yeah. But, no, they, they have a lot of interesting segments. They go for laughs, but they do give, you know, some sports updates and news, bring on good guests. And, uh, you know, one thing that, is just amazing. Every Friday they have uh, what they call initials. It's a game that they do where 
um, Corey Cove on there. He's the host and he comes up with a set of initials every week, two letters and every answer that he gives, you know, a series of clues for has those two initials. So whether it's a person's name or it's a place or an item, whatever, um, it's really entertaining. Um, You know, it's fun to listen along and they always have live shows where they'll bring, you know, a fan on to participate as well. And we learn pretty quickly how much harder it is than it is when we listen. <laughs> oh, but, of course. Uh, just launching now, I'm hoping to have mine in a couple of weeks here. They did a Kickstarter where they made a card game for it. No way. So there's an initials card game. Corey Cove launched through. Yo, um, share that on Twitter. I want in on that oh, too. Yeah. Oh, Fuck I'll share yeah. that for sure. And he actually, I think it was just a week or so ago, um, out at Utapils here in Minnesota, they had their like premium Kickstarter supporters launch party where everyone got to go out and get their pack early, have a couple beers. Nice. Shit. Obviously it was kind of impacted by COVID, you know, it's not of the course. same, but still happened, but no, I'm, I'm excited to get that here soon. And if anyone hasn't looked at it, obviously you're not going to get it soon because you missed the initial launch, but absolutely be looking for it. Uh, very, very fun game that I'm looking forward to seeing if other people can pick up on it when they haven't listened to the show. Man, do you remember um, uh, the the game Exploding Kittens that came out a few years ago? <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually donated to them when, when they put that on Kickstarter. And now they have the, the burrito game. Have you seen that? I haven't seen the burrito. Oh, my God. So you got these two dildo-looking burritos that you, like, play these games where it's kind of like, like a te- – like a- like a Texas standoff where like there's oh, funny, God. there's funny games where it's like, you have to like mutter things or like do some sort of charade type thing. And if sure. you lose, it's the first one to chuck this burrito, this dildo looking burrito at each other is like <laughs> the winner. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Just like uh, exploding kittens. Oh man. There's so many games like that, that now though. Like uh, it just has kind of exploded. Like you've got, obviously we've got the, the OG, but there's, you know, what do you meme? There's uh, Dude, what do you meme hazard. is awesome. I have, have a funny joking hazard. I haven't had that one, but I have a funny story about what do you meme? So I, for my, my, <laughs> my old roommates at the time were huge. Like they, they love board games. Like we play Catan and shit, man. We even, we even got crazy with risk at times, but, uh, yeah. they, uh, and even magic, the gathering, but that's a whole other story. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, where, where was I getting at with this? Fuck, I totally just drew blank now. I hate when that happens. It must be the soda. <laughs> what was I getting at? What were we just talking about? Games? I just totally cut what you off. What do you mean? And you had a great what do you story mean? What do you it? mean? Jesus Christ. Uh, what do you mean? So I bought that for for, their, or for uh, one of their birthdays. And um, I, I found it used. And I was like, but it's like, it was from someone who distributed a bunch of games. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just like someone's mom and pop game shop and like i rolled up to the address and it was like some dude's garage with like one of those like i don't know like industrial like blind like metal bulletproof blinds and like popped up like handed me through this like plexiglass gave him the money um he asked if i wanted to take debit too so i was like this is kind of weird but okay no i'm good here's some cash <laughs> and it was just total like knockoff game that like i don't know if he like got it from china or if he just did it himself because like everything was perfect you know, the stand was a little bit shittier, like it broke real quick, but it was just like little changes. So like every, everything that like, like two T W O always numbers. Um, and like through T H R U. So it was just like, 
Yeah, just that's enough what, to not get busted. Exactly, I got exactly. And it was Dang. like, and we didn't notice for like a whole year until I saw. I just thought that that was like the game. I was like, okay, it's it's a millennial game. Like now we're sacrificing grammar, whatever, or Gen X, whatever the younger generation is. But no, it was a bootleg version, I guess. Um, anyways, what what do you mean? Awesome game. It's, awesome hey, game. it's a great game. But no, joking hazard. If anyone hasn't heard of it, it. It's definitely more aggressive. I probably wouldn't play it with your parents, but it's typically two stick figures on each card, like doing something. Like some of them are definitely more tame, but you, it's a progression game where you play two cards that the two go together to equal whatever the final card was that was drew and drawn. Kind of like oh, a okay, black card cool. in um, – why am I spacing on that game now? <laughs> You've got <laughs> – it's because pass, I passed on the spacing. throwing me off, yeah. <laughs> But um, no, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. But all those games, I mean, there's so many of them now. I didn't know about the burrito one. I'm sure there's five other ones that have come out that we haven't played. It's so funny, man. Kind of like music where back in the day, like you would know when there was a new album that came out by, you know, a big artist. Whereas now like with Spotify and discovery weeklies and pe- people being able to post their music so easily, which I think is great. I'm almost overwhelmed because I was a huge music guy, but I was, I always thought I was in the, in the know. I always thought I knew what was new. I always thought I was like, you know, hip. I, I thought, I thought, I thought that I was a music guy where now it's like, there's just so much that I can't even keep track of it. And it's the same with like board games. Like we, we had our pillars growing up, right? The connect fours, the risks, you know, the monopolies. <laughs> now there's like there's, the Kickstarter co- campaigns left, right and center for board games. That, that's awesome though. We, we do need I a, love it. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. We need a hockey-inspired game soon. You know, there's not enough hockey games, just like there's not not enough hockey movies. But uh, let's get back on the hockey train here and talk about the Soda Pods uh, discussion question number five. How long is too long for Alexander Hovinov to spend in the KHL with Akbars? Um, I uh, we we got we got some. We got some participation on this as well at uh, Kagzi underscore 65. Please just sign Kaprizov already. Says uh, we're in for Kaprizov number two, Electric Boogaloo. If he signs a second contract, uh, that's the, that's just my opinion. So he thinks he, he may sign a, a two-year deal there. I commented saying a two-year deal is perfect with uh, NHL plans up in the air next season and the AHL potentially not operating uh, he needs to play professionally. He's too good for the QMJHL, thus the AHL talent, um, you know, signing or being loaned to the KHL. He will develop playing against top Euro and NHLers. So I'd like to see him in a professional league since the AHL may not operate. And since, well, Iowa is just loaded right now, you know, next year and potentially even the year after, uh, he needs to develop somewhere and, and, and you know, shit. There's European stars who are unbelievable in the KHL and there's ex-NHLers. It's going to be a perfect spot for him to develop. I just hope we don't see Kaprizov 2.0 you know, 2. Uh, electric boogaloo, as, uh, as the previous commenter said. Yeah, I was surprised no one commented saying less than Kaprizov. That's it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great place for him to develop. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys come over, you know, early to mid-20s after playing a couple of years in the KHL and they transition in pretty easily. It's just, obviously it's hard to answer now how many years is too long. Cause if we watch him over there and he hasn't developed yet, he needs to stay longer. You know, it's, it's, well, does it's just he, hard to does say he, this early. Or, 
what or the time we, limit is. I don't necessarily think – I don't want him to get too comfortable in Russia. That's just my opinion. I want him because he's played in North America a little bit right now, and, and I know he was, he was definitely um, – he was definitely a unique cat and that no pun intended with, with Moncton of the Wildcats, but he, he needs to, uh, I, again, I just don't want him to get too comfortable in the KHL cause I want him to primarily develop within the North American game so that he can, so that this prospect can be a legitimate impact for the Minnesota wild, because unlike Kaprizov, this guy was, you know, he was selected higher in the draft. He developed within North America so that the Wild could be a little bit more hands-on in tracking his development versus Kaprizov in Russia. Um, I want it to kind of stay that way. But I understand that he needs to play professionally and that playing in, in the motherland is, is good for his development. We got some comments here. Uh, Gone Puck Wild. I mean, go check them out. The fan-sided blog there. Uh, FS Gone Puck Wild on Twitter. They commented saying it seems like a one-year deal in the K, uh, which is perfectly fine. Two to three works as well. If it is, if it is his best opportunity to play ASAP, uh, makes sense to further his development. I think he can read the room and see the Wild needs centers, and he could see the NHL time sooner rather than later. Um, ben uh, Ackerman, uh, oh my God. Arkema, sorry. I, I know a Ben Ackerman. That's why I was thrown off, thrown off Arkema. Um, at Arkema underscore Ben. He, he's a huge listener to the show. And um, he's actually, well, he's, uh, he provided our next discussion question. But he comments saying, I've heard uh, some think he's a wing at the next level. In Iowa, uh, they return at least three centers, Johnson, Dumont, and Shaw, health permitted. Giroux should be in Iowa next year as well and can play center last I knew. Maybe two years max depends on Rona too. AHL may be delayed. Uh, Kaprizov countdown replied, in my opinion, I'm comfortable with two years and reassess from there. Um, you kind of gave your opinion on this. Do you have anything else before we jump on to the next, uh, the next discussion question here? No, I just kind of want to clarify, I guess. I didn't mean keep him there forever until he molds into a KHL player. Right. I more meant, I can't say how long is too long because he could be there for a year and you could look at him and be like, okay, shit, this guy's ready. Whereas it might take two or three years to, you know, other people's points. I guess I just don't know how you can set a limit on it when it might take him less than a season to realize, okay, this guy can come over. Oh, fair enough. I just wanted to ask the wild fans, especially in light of the frustrations around Kaprizov, now that they have another prospect, um, you know, going to play in the KHL, just what their thoughts were about it. And yeah. if they, if they, I guess, have the same amount of patience as they had for Kaprizov being, you know, a fifth round pick, um, Hovanov being a, oh, he, he was a third round I think pick, if Kaprizov's here, people will forget and they'll just ignore that there's another guy coming for a little bit, at least that'll be the new shiny toy. Fair enough. And like I said, Kovanov uh, picked in the, in the third round, respectively. 99 yep. points and 32 goals in 51 games for the Moncton Wildcats. Uh, he had 74 points in his first full season with them. Uh, he only spent 29 games with them in, in his first year, but um, six, in his first full season in 2018-19, 64 games, he put up 25 goals and 74 points. Carried over this year with 32 goals. The guy can put the biscuit in the basket and he can also set up his teammates. He was a playoff performer as well as last year in the playoffs for Moncton. He had 10 points in 10 games. And in his first year in the QMJHL, again, his first year when he only played 29 games, he had seven points in 12 playoff games respectively. And, uh, you know, he's not afraid to, to play rough as well. You know, uh, 94 penalty minutes this year and actually 94 penalty minutes last year as well. Um, I know plus minus, especially at the junior level, 
especially in the QMJHL, which is the goal league <laughs> of the CHL. Everyone, you know, and their mother can score in that league. He put up, he was a plus 58. And, you know, my friend Dylan and I, co-creator of the Hockey Podcast Network, co-host of the Stick Hungry Podcast, him and I always say, like, you know, anything over and above plus or minus 25 should raise your eyebrows a bit. I don't know. That, that's what I say. Now, I know it's not that... that no, it's not even, people don't even want to call it an advanced stat. It's just, it's a, it's a fading stat where people put uh, weight into. But plus 58, it just shows that this guy, when he was on the ice, he fucking scored. And uh, the yeah, QMJHL... And, and it's one of those stats that matters with context. If you just look at someone's plus minus and decide they're good or bad based off it... Oh, it doesn't mean shit. Dumb. Yeah, right. it doesn't mean but, shit. But to look at that alongside everything that he did, okay, it shows you what was going on when he was on the ice. You know, there's obviously better stats now that can tell you more of that story, but I'd be shocked to see that he was, you know, a negative impact on the game when he's plus 58. Absolutely. To your point. Absolutely. Okay, discussion question number six, the last one on the show before we close out here. Ben Arkema, in the thread of discussion question number five, brought this to our attention. I do want to pose the question. If we got the first and Ottawa called off rating Three first round picks, would you take it? Byfield may slide to third, and five could have a ton of options, plus maybe get four picks in total if Pittsburgh advances. Um, I said we were going to answer it on the podcast and give him a shout out again. Follow him at rkema underscore Ben. He's a goddamn beauty and a supporter of the Soda Pod. We love you, Ben. What say you, State of Hobby? Because you commented saying, I'm strongly opinionated on this topic. Yeah. Um, and my opinion is that that would never be offered. Um, <laughs> Dude, it's, it's fucking even, Ottawa, even let man. Alone, like three is outrageous, but even the three and five pick isn't going to be traded for the one. And if it gets offered, you say yes without thinking twice. You know like, what though? I, I'm, I'm a little bit more, you know, I think it could be because I heard Craig Button say this on TSN uh, a couple weeks ago that there's no, you know, Alexi Lafreniere, he's not, on Connor McDavid's level. Shit, he's not even on Jack Eichel's level. So yes, he's, he's going to be a bona fide NHL player. He's going to be a great winger in the National Hockey League. Arguably, the top 10 picks in this draft are interchangeable as far as them being a legitimate prospect into the National Hockey League. So if you can get... I'd say the top three are in a different class right now. But, um, okay, sure, but, but how much of you, a different class though, right? Like, right. Is quantity versus quality really something to take in consideration in this draft? I'm just throwing that out there for the sake of conversation. Yes, and that's my take 100%. I'm looking right now, and people are upset about where Ottawa sits. Right now, they are lined up perfectly to get Byfield and Drysdale. And if the Wild could somehow lose and get the number one overall and trade for those two players, no question. (sighs) No question whatsoever. I mean, the Wild need the Wild have good prospects in the system. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lottery ticket at the end of the day. You know, the more yeah. tickets you have, the more chances you're going to win. The more legit blue chip prospects you have, the more chance that they're going to be NHL players. You know, not every not every Russian you draft in the third and fifth round is going to be a superstar. Hell, we haven't even, and again, I'm getting lo- I'm getting ahead of myself. I know Hovinov <laughs> is not even close to that yet, and Kaprizov hasn't even stepped foot on NHL ice. God, if we just want him to step on NHL ice, but, you know, you get my point. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Oh, 100%. All right, everybody. I mean, we're, we're drawn to the... You know, close to the end of the show here. Oh, one last thing I want to bring up. 
uh, Russo had Billy Garen on KFAN. And, um, and it's funny, man, because up here in Canada, uh, uh, even in the Montreal media, there, there's some journalists who are straight up asking Mark Vergevin, you know, your, t- <laughs> your <laughs> franchise wants you to, to lose. You know, they want that first overall pick. Are, are, you, are you hearing about this? Is this something that's even like talked about in the room? And he was laughing, you know, saying that like, oh, like we've heard this as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not ver- he didn't say that verbatim, but kind of laughed at it. Billy Guerin, not even close to the same reaction. He's quoted saying uh, on NHL.com and with, uh, with Michael Russo and KFAN saying that I think everybody thinks about it, but it's our job to win hockey games. And he said this very seriously. And, you know, Billy Guerin can joke. He, he's great with Russo. They have great rapport. I mean, he's great with the media, you know, being a former player and all. But he said, you know, our job is here to win hockey games and not to play for the first overall pick. You know, we're going to win. You can you can't do that. You can't do that. He said twice. Like I said, these games are going to come fast and furious. We've got to be ready. And we're going in there to win, not to play for a pick. You can't do that. As Wes McCulley said, you just can't do that. Yeah. No, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, you and I sit here, you shouldn't talk about, yeah, it'd be great. It's way better for the Wild long term if they lose right now have a chance at that number one overall pick. Even if they don't get it, they're ending somewhere between nine and 12, which like we've talked about, this is a top heavy draft where you're going to get someone that's got a potential to be an impact player. It's a win-win. But like, but, yeah. but, but these teams aren't going to throw it in. Nope. There is not a single NHL team that's going to lose on purpose. Well, you the have players coaches don't care. that the players have a don't job care. to defend. There's players going for contracts. There's players that might be towards the end of their career and think this is their last chance to make a push in a weird year. There's GMs trying to defend their jobs. Everyone wants to win. And honestly, man, I can't imagine, even if you're a young player, even if you're 22 years old, and you know you're going to be with the Wild for a long time, maybe like a Kevin Fiala, for example, I can't imagine that even at that age, that a professional athlete is wired to be like, I'm going to lose for a franchise. There's no way. There's no way because that's going to affect you in the media that's going to affect what people think about you that's going to affect your contract down the road i mean kevin kevin fiel is a bad example because he's up for a contract soon well, but you but know, you what, know I mean. what if you even want to go full potster here isha like oh Stir, kevin fiel doesn't want to give up his job to lafreniere boom like, exactly like no one's motivated to make that happen like yes do you want like generational talents to come in yes but are you going to lose in order for your team to have a better draft position no it's not going to happen. Well, we and, saw- I mean, it goes back to your boy, Godette, like getting yep. pissed at fans. Like, how can you be cheering for us to lose? Like, this is reminiscent of the days where Buffalo fans were actively cheering when, you know, they lost to the Coyotes back for the McDavid draft. And I was just like, going to say, do you remember Michael Neuver? Michael Neuver started winning games, boom, out the door. That's, Seriously. you know, and so that just shows the player – I mean, he was standing on his head as Buffalo was trading players left, right, and center, you know, yeah. calling up those who had no business being in the National Hockey League so that they could lose. And, uh, yep. and when their goaltender started winning, they shipped him out the door. Man. And you know what? People don't remember that, Isha, because let's be real, no one was paying attention to the Sabres of the Coyotes that year except for their fans. And that's why Fair people enough. are throwing a temper tantrum this year and recent years when – you know, the team that did the worst in the league drops to the fourth overall pick. Like, it makes sense. There's a reason for it. 
teams have historically tanked. And you know what? If you can't find a way to make a fourth pick impact your team, what are you doing? Like Steve Eisenman right away, business as usual, not phased. Okay, that's where we pick. We're good. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a quick shout out to Jacob uh, Perry, Perry, you, that's how I would say it. If it's Francais, my friend, uh, and Craig Granger, some boys down in the bayou. They've been, they've been watching the stream, man. They've been commenting. Uh, Jacob just actually commented and said, uh, ACDC back in black, best album ever. <laughs> um, do you agree with them? I don't know if I agree. I mean, it's a great album, but I would not say it's the best album ever. I mean, I, it's, it's hard on the spot to agree with that. It's a great album. <laughs> I won't deny that, but I mean, I'd put album? albums above that to be perfectly honest. Right. And I've, I've got pretty weird music taste too. So I'm probably not the right one to ask, but no, it's a, definitely a great album. I won't argue that. It's a flawless album front to back. Does, does that make it the best album ever? I, I don't know. I don't do we know. Do want but... to go top end talent or do we want to go depth? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank, <laughs> thanks for, you know, thanks for tuning into the stream, buddy. I mean, uh, you're unbelievable. He, Jacob actually tunes into the after hours show as well. Um, you know, every time we, we run that and uh, it's, it, it warms my heart, sir. Thank you so much. And Craig Granger, again, the, such a goddamn beauty. Now a star here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Man, I got audio for days as you heard on, uh, well, one of the last Soda Pod episodes. As I, Yeah, man, I, I don't know if I'll ever have a story that matches taking steroids casually at a party. Well, I did steroids. Uh, <laughs> I, right I, party. <laughs> I did steroids once at a party. Or not once. Like, okay, tell me, tell me the, wait, 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 hold on. Pump the brakes. Let's, let's rewind a bit. Tell us the story. How the fuck did you end up doing steroids at this party? Alright, so, like, one of my good buddies, uh, like, not my good buddies, my brother, uh, not my real brother, like, my, my, not my blood brother, but We got you. We're your brother. Yeah, bro. He was out there in the trailer park party, you know what I'm saying? Out there in Watson with me there, somewhere around that, that, that's, uh, you know, by the bayou and shit. And, uh, you know, we, we were just, Getting it in, he's he's a bodybuilder, you know what I'm saying? So he had he has some roids with him and he said, You wanna hit the cycle? And I said, Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and I, uh, so I hit the cycle and then and then the next morning he's like, No, bro, you gotta eat like, you can't just hit the cycle, you gotta eat you know, you gotta eat after him, you know what I'm saying? So I went got Did you uh, feel it? Could you feel like it? When you got when you took the injection, were you like, oh fuck, I'm ripped now? I mean, what was it like? Or are you told nothing? I felt a little bit smaller, uh, like after I ate like all the chicken and uh, the grits and like all the protein the next morning. Cycle, bro. You gotta hit the cycle. 
How many push-ups did you do again, Craig? Oh, man. Well, Craig just commented. He said, great show, y'all. Can't <laughs> wait for the next one. I mean, we're going to be rolling out the live shows uh, every week now, Craig. So we'll, we'll, we'll bring you on to one of these days, buddy. And same with Brady Levold. Thanks for commenting, man. And, oh, Craig comments again, says, uh, Cody's about to, about to catch that go, Preds. <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh thanks to everyone tuning in on facebook live soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts uh youtube as well folks the best thing you can do for us this week besides donating on patreon and we'll get into that momentarily is to give us five stars on itunes and apple podcasts go listen through our website thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or on your app download the episode before you listen as it just helps our business uh, speaking of patreon we're going to be optimizing the hockey podcast network's patreon page very very soon we'll have so much better uh, giveaways, uh, a lot more incentive for you to join. We're going to be upping our paywall just a little bit from $1 uh, to get access to everything. That's just because we're going to be adding blogs to the mix. We're going to be adding regular shows like the after hour show every two, every two weeks. And I know we're supposed to, it was scheduled to do it this weekend because of the 4th of July. We're going to be doing it next weekend. We'll, we'll promote it on the hockey podcast network, social media. So stay tuned. But right now, $1 gets you access to everything on Patreon. We're going to be upping the paywall just a little bit moving forward. But $5, $10, $20, if you donate, all the donations go back to the hosts who participate and provide you content on Patreon. Dylan and I, I mean, we're not going to dip our feet into the water at all. This all goes back to our hosts, and we really appreciate it. I mean, if you donate $5, $10, $20, you'll... You'll, you'll be rewarded um, as you go up with the tiers and donations with, with so much more swag and, 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 and gift packages. Um, again, we're going to update all that in the next few weeks, and I'm super excited to get all that to all of our loyal patrons who've, uh, who've supported us all year and all those new ones who will come. Uh, I, 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 I firmly believe that if we build it, they will come. Uh, don't forget to follow myself at VI Sports Talk. Follow the show at the Soda Pod and uh, the network at Hockey Pod Net. Where can they find you, sir, on all social media? Yep, at State of Hoppy on everything. Instagram. I just found you on Instagram. You uh, yeah, you you'll uh, don't be shocked and think that you found an imposter if you see a lot of uh, Wyoming-based posts. Okay. Uh, my buddy who lives out in Grand Tetons, he uh, does a lot of the posting on there. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm, it inspired me to start posting my beers and to further promote the soda pod. Uh, my Instagram is gonna start uh, is gonna start being flooded with uh, with a lot of the beers that we talk about here on the soda pod, both in Minneapolis and the state of hockey, and here on Vancouver Island. But uh, we've gone we've gone long enough. I said it was a jam packed show. It has been a jam packed show. Thanks to everyone tuning in on Facebook Live. Thanks to everyone who downloaded the podcast. Thanks to everyone who went back and watched on YouTube. Uh, thanks to you, the State of Hoppy, and thanks to Andrew Wadden of TSN 1040. Uh, signing off, my name is East Dromi. Alongside the State of Hoppy, this has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild. <laughs>